الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين all the praises are to Allah we praise him and seek his aid and ask his forgiveness and may the peace and blessings and salawat be upon his slave and messenger Muhammad his house of kin his companions and all who followed them exactly until the day of judgment first of all I'd like to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving me the chance to meet with my brothers in Islam and to study together some of the knowledge which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed to his Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in which the companions have taken from him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and passed it on generation after generation until it reached us. And secondly, I'd like to thank uh, Center Kalima and whoever is running the center for making this happen because uh, every opportunity to give or to study together knowledge is such a great opportunity, especially in those days. Inshallah, uh, we would start with an introduction about this uh, topic or whatever topic is coming. And inshallah, we will start, as the brother said, with four fundamentals or four fundamental principles from the Quran. And if uh, any time is left, we uh, might cover with whatever time left three other fundamentals which are the three questions asked in the grave. First of all, <clears throat> we'd like to say that after Adam, the people were on the righteous religion for ten generations or ten centuries or ten ages. They were on the religion of their father, Adam, alayhi salam. And that religion is what? I'd like to add that this class is going to be interactive. So I want your I want you to participate, inshaAllah. And we're going to ask and we, we want to receive answers from all of you, inshaAllah. So this religion that the people were upon from Adam alayhi salam for 10 generations until Nuh. So between Adam and Nuh, how many? 10 generations or 10 centuries. All of them were on the religious or on the righteous path, on the straight path, which is what? Al-Islam. Now Al-Islam has two meanings. It has a general meaning and a particular meaning. The general meaning of Islam is surrendering to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by worshipping Him alone and following His prophets. This is a general meaning of Islam because Islam linguistically means al-istislam. Islam linguistically, it means what? Al-istislam. What is al-istislam? Al-istislam is surrender. Islam was called istislam to Allah, which is surrendering to Allah, was called Islam because you are supposed to surrender your all to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Making everything to Allah alone, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your worship, your all, your intention, all of you, in and out, supposed to be given to only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why it was called al-Islam. 
It's the surrender to Allah. This is the religion of all the prophets and messengers from the beginning of Adam until the last prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But after the coming of uh, our prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Islam was only following this prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Only following this prophet. That means nothing, no other religion can be called Islam after the coming of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Why? Because the Sharia of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam abrogated all previous Sharia, previous religions. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this religion the last religion. And all other rituals have been edited and cancelled by the coming of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Islam became restricted to what the Prophet ﷺ came with. And I wanted to clarify this because one might say, weren't the other Prophets or the Prophets before upon Islam also? And this is a good question that might be posed. And I say before all the religions of the Prophets before was Islam also. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, مَا كَانَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ يَهُودِيًّا وَلَا نَصْرَانِيًّا أَحْسَنْتُمْ وَلَكِنْ كَانَ حَنِيفًا مُسْلِمًا وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ مَا كَانَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ يَهُودِيًّا وَلَا نَصْرَانِيًّا وَلَكِنْ كَانَ حَنِيفًا مُسْلِمًا وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ أين هذا؟ أي سورة؟ ها سورة الإمران Surah Ali Imran. In Surah Ali Imran, Surah number 3, verse number 95, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Qul sadaq Allah, fattabi'u millata Ibrahim hanifa wa ma kana minal mushrikeen. Say, O Muhammad, Qul. Whenever you hear Qul in the Qur'an, the speech is directed to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam since this Qur'an was revealed to him. So Qul, and he say, Say, O Muhammad. Say to the people. Say to them what? Qul sadaq Allah. Allah has spoken the truth. Follow the religion of Abraham, Hanifan, Musliman, Wama Kana Minal Mushrikeen. Hanifan means he used to worship Allah alone. And we shall thoroughly explain what Hanifan means, inshallah, in the coming uh, four principles. Wama Hanifan Musliman. He was a Muslim. Wama Kana Minal Mushrikeen. So, the religion of Ibrahim was Islam also. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said also in Surah Al Araf, about Musa saying to his people, he said, Ya qawmi in kuntum amantum billahi fa'alayhi tawakkalu in kuntum muslimin. In kuntum muslimin. In kuntum amantum billah. If you truly believed in Allah, fa'alayhi fatawakkalu. Then rely only upon him. In kuntum muslimin. If you are truly Muslims. This is Musa. And when Fir'aun was drowning. What did he say? قَالَ آمَنْتُ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا الَّذِي آمَنَتْ بِهِ بَنُوا إِسْرَائِيلَ وَأَنَا مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ آمَنْتُ I have believed in the one who many Israel, the children of Israel, believed in and I am of the Muslims. So the religion, Islam, as a religion, 
as surrendering to Allah, this is the religion of all prophets and messengers. Including Isa, including Musa, all of them, from the beginning till the end. But after the coming of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, since Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after, was not pleased except with following Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Islam became something restricted to following this prophet, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also said, وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ And he swears by Allah. He says, لا يسمع بي يهودي ولا نصرني ثم لم يؤمن بالذي أرسلت به إلا كان من أصحاب النار. He says, by Allah, not a Jew or a Christian who hears of me and does not believe in that which I, has come, which I have come with except that he is to be of the people of, of, the, people of the hellfire. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken the covenant of the prophets, all the prophets, that they believe in the prophecy of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he comes. And this is in Surah Al-Imran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا أَخَذَ اللَّهُ مِثَاقَ النَّبِيِّينَ لَمَا آتَيْتُكُمْ مِنْ كِتَابٍ وَحِكْمَةٍ ثُمَّ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مُصَدِّقٌ لِمَا مَعَكُمْ لَتُؤْمِنُنَّ بِهِ وَلَتَنْصُرُنَّهِ this is in Surah Al-Imran, which is Surah number 3, verse number 81. He says, and remember, when Allah took the covenant of the prophets, saying, take whatever I give you from the book and the hikmah, the understanding of the laws of Allah. And afterwards, this is a covenant that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken of all the prophets. Take whatever I give you from the book and the hikmah, the understanding of the laws of Allah, and afterwards, there will come to you a messenger. Who is this messenger? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Every prophet has taken this covenant. There will come to you a messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, confirming what is with you. So it's a confirmation. It is not something that opposes what was in the prior uh, religions. Yani, the, 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 the scriptures, the revelation from Allah. It is only confirming what was what has come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam confirming what is with you. You must then believe in him and help him. Believe in him and help him. Allah said, do you agree to it? And will you take up my covenant, which I conclude with you? They said, we agree. He said, then bear witness and I am with you among the witnesses for this. So all the prophets, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, has taken their covenant that they believe in this messenger when he comes. That is why Isa has given the glad tidings of the coming of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said in Surah Al-Saf, which is uh, Surah number 61, 61 verse number 6, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمُبَشِّرًا بِرَسُولٍ يَأْتِي مِنْ بَعْدِ اسْمُهُ أَحْمَدٍ اسْمُهُ أَحْمَدٍ But our Prophet is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Is this a contradiction? What's the answer? Huh? The same meaning? Uh, what's the same meaning? Ahmed is one of his names. Ahmed is... Very good. Ahsant. Ahmed is one of his names. He has many names sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's why Al-Iraqi said in his uh, poetry, the scholars before, they used to write poetry. They used to turn 
certain subjects into poetry, into the form of poetry, to make it easy for you to, to memorize. So Al-Iraqi, for example, said, in uh, يعني, gathering or putting together the names of the Prophet وسلم, he said, Muhammadun ma'al muqaffi ahmada, al-hashir al-aqib wal-mahir rada, wa huwa al-musamma binabiyyir rahmati, fi muslimin wa binabiyyir tawbati. Then he went along, mentioning all the names of the Prophet وسلم, so how many names have I mentioned in this poetry? Muhammadun ma'al muqaffi ahmada. See, Muhammad and Ahmed. Al-Hashir, Al-Aqib, Wal-Mahir Rada. His name also is Al-Hashir, Al-Aqib, Al-Mahir Rada. He has many names, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. One of his names is Ahmed. One of his names is Ahmed, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Isa gave the glad tidings to the children of Israel of the coming of Muhammad, of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, and remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, which means, and remember, when Isa, Jesus, son of Maryam, said, O children of Israel, I am the messenger of Allah to you, confirming the Torah, which came before me, and giving bad tidings of a messenger to come after me, whose name shall be Ahmed. But when he, Ahmed, came to them with clear proofs, they said, this is plain magic. They said, so they themselves denied, although this is just an outward denial, but deep inside them they believe that this is the right religion from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So no one has a right to come today and say, I am following Isa, and he doesn't believe in the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And no one has a right today to come and say, I follow Musa, and he doesn't believe in the prophecy of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Why? Because the Prophet Muhammad didn't come with something different. He only came with that, confirming what is in the Torah and in the Injil. And if you really follow Isa and Musa then you will follow this Prophet. Because both Isa and Musa gave the glad tidings because they took that covenant, because they are among the Prophets as well. They took that covenant to, and they conveyed to their people to believe in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa when he comes. So they themselves, Musa and Isa, ordered their people to follow Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa So the one who does not follow Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is not only opposing Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa but is also opposing Isa and Musa. So he can't say, I'm, I'm following Isa, when he's not following the order of Isa to believe in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And the one who claims he's, he's believing in Musa can't say, I believe in Musa, and he's not even following the order to follow Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Is this clear? So then Islam has two meanings. Islam in the general meaning means what? Huh? Submission, very good. Surrendering to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by worshipping him alone. Islam in the particular meaning. Huh? Following the sharia of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The foundations of religion are one, is one. Worshipping Allah alone. This is the religion of all the prophets and messengers. But the only thing that differs is the rulings. The prayer in the prior sharia might be different than our prayer. The fasting might be different than our fasting. But the foundation of religion is one. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, لِكُلِّنْ جَعَلْنَا مِنْكُمْ شِرْعَةً مِنْ Before, for example, the fasting was uh, in, in some of the uh, shara'i, 
some of the rituals, يعني, were, fasting was uh, to, to, to strain from, from speaking. As Maryam said, in Surah Maryam, Surah number 19, verse number 26, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَكُلِي وَاشْرَبِي وَقَرِّي عَيْنًا فَإِمَّا تَرَيِنَّ مِنَ الْبَشَرِ أَحَدًا فَقُولِي إِنِّي نَذَرْتُ لِلرَّحْمَنِ صَوْمًا فَلَنْ أُكَلِّمَ الْيَوْمَ إِنْسِيًّا So eat and drink and be glad. And if you see any human being, say very, I have vowed a fast to the most gracious. So I shall not eat, drink, speak. I shall not speak to any human being this day. So fasting was in that way. But fasting here is, has more additional things to, to restrain from. Eating, drinking, etc. So the rulings differ from each sharia to the other. But the foundation of religion is one. It is, and it is worshipping Allah alone. And uh, as we said, the people after Adam, after Adam's descending to the, to the earth, were on this sharia, worshipping Allah alone, until the people of Nuh. Until the people of Nuh. And here, the people of Nuh, this is where the religion changed into something else. This is where the shaitan, they fell into the first plot of the shaitan, which led them away from the religion, from this religion, from su- su- being submissive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There were five men upon the people of Nuh. Those five are Wad, Wasuwa', Wayaghuth, Wayaruq, Wanasr. Wad, Wasuwa', Wayaghuth, Wayaruq, Wanasr. As in Surah Nuh. وَقَالُوا لَا تَذَرُنَّ آلِهَتَكُمْ وَلَا تَذَرُنَّ وَدًّا وَلَا سُوَاعًا وَلَا يَغُوثَ وَيَعُوقَ وَنَسْرًا Surah Nuh Surah number 71 verse number 23 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says which means and they have said you shall not leave your gods nor shall you leave wad nor suwa' nor yaghuth nor ya'uq nor nasr these are the names of their idols of their idols before there weren't any idols there were five pious men five pious men People used to look, look up to them and follow them and uh, take their instructions, follow their instructions because they were the most pious in their time. They died. The people grieved their death and were so sad. And the people of knowledge at their time or the uh, devil, as uh, Ibn Abbas narrated in Sahih al-Bukhari, Sahih al-Bukhari. He said, هَذِهِ أَسْمَاءُ رِجَالٍ مِنْ قَوْمِ نُوحِ أَوْ رِجَالٍ صَالِحِينَ مِنْ قَوْمِ نُوحِ Ibn Abbas narrates. Ibn Abbas, the most, uh, one of the most knowledgeable companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says, these are five names, five names of five good men from the people of Nuh. فَلَمَّا مَاتُوا أَوْحَ الشَّيْطَانُ إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِمْ I'll translate, don't worry. أَنِيصِبُوا إِلَىٰ مَجَالِسِهِمُ الَّتِي كَانُوا يَجْلِسُونَ فِيهَا أَنْصَابًا وَسَمُّوهَا بِأَسْمَائِهِمْ So when they died, the devil, 
whispered to them, build idols in their image upon their graves and give them their names. What was the reason for this? The shaitan whispered to them, so that if you, if your iman goes low, you come to those idols, and when you come to those idols, you remember them, those five pious men, you remember, you remember what uh, the, the uh, piousness they were upon. So when you do that, you refresh your iman. This, is what, what, this was the intention. Is this a good intention or a bad intention? Bad? It's a good intention. But what's bad is the act. What's bad is the act. Why is the act bad? Hmm? None? Huh? Act not from Allah. Very good. Beautiful. It's an act not from Allah. It's not from the teachings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which were revealed to his prophets. There were no idols before taken for such a cause. So it's something new. It's something new, something innovative. But the intention was right. But in Sharia, we have a principle. You can write it down if you wish. It says, Aniyyatu Saliha la tuslihu al-amal al-fasid. Aniyyatu Saliha, meaning the right intention, or the righteous intention, or the good intention, does not justify the false action, or the bad action. This is a principle. So, for example, if there was uh, someone oppressing a lot of people, so you can't say, I'm going to go kill him so I can stop this oppression. Now, you want to stop the, the oppression. This intention is good. But the way you're going to do it is, is not permissible. So your uh, good intention does not justify your bad actions. Otherwise, Robin Hood would be doing good. Died, and they build those idols upon their graves for the sake of seeing them, or for the sake of refreshing their iman whenever they see them. They remember what they were upon, they remember what teachings they were giving, and they refresh their iman. Then, the other generation, the preceding or the proceeding generation came. Then what happened? They glorified them more than the ones before glorified them. Yani they were visiting them more often. Hanging around the idols more often. And they didn't worship them yet. Worship them yet. Then the other generation came, the generation, the generation after. And when the generation after came, it was a time where the people of knowledge, or slowly, slowly, from the second to the third generation, the people of knowledge started dying. And this is when the knowledge dies with them, because the knowledge does, is not lifted from the hearts of the, of the, of the knowledgeable men. But knowledge dies with the people of knowledge. Knowledge dies with the people of knowledge. So they were dying, one after the other. And when they die, 
and there's no knowledge, what happens? Ignorance is spread. And the third generation, the earth almost was free from, from a scholar. And when that happened, the devil whispered to them again, saying that your forefathers haven't built those idols except for one of, of, of those five pious men, except for one purpose. So you can take them as intercessors, as your intercessors to Allah, and ask them of your need that you want to get from Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this was the first worshipping of other than Allah that happened on this earth. The first to ever happen on this earth. So when that happened, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent out Nuh. Sent out Nuh, alayhi salam. So Nuh is the first... Huh? Wrong. I knew you were going to say that. Very good. Messenger. There's a difference between a prophet and a messenger. A prophet receives revelation. But when the prophet is ordered or sent to a certain group of people to warn them against what leads to the wrath of Allah and to give them glad tidings if they worship Allah, obey Allah, then those prophets become messengers. Messengers are prophets with a message. Prophets without a message to a certain group of people. Understood? So every, correct me now, Every prophet is a messenger and vice versa. Every messenger is a prophet. Good. So every messenger is a prophet and every prophet is a messenger. No. Every messenger is a prophet, but not every prophet is a messenger. A prophet is one who receives the revelation from Allah and is ordered or is sent to a certain group of people. If those people answer his call, then they will be saved, otherwise they will be tortured. This is a difference between a prophet and a messenger. So Nuh was the first messenger. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, this explains why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the end of Surah An-Nisa, which is Surah number 4, <coughs> Verse number 163. Surah number 4. Verse number 163. Verily we have sent the revelation to you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as we send the revelation to Nuh and the prophets before him, after him. There weren't any prophets before him? Wasn't Adam a prophet? Adam was a prophet. Didn't Adam receive revelation as well? Naam. Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how can we answer this? We say, this revelation mentioned here is the revelation that is restricted to, to the message, to being sent. It's called Wahyu al-Risala. Wahyu al-Risala. Wadih. إِلَيْكَ كَمَا أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَىٰ نُوحٍ وَالنَّبِيِّنَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ 
and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then, I can ask a question here, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send out Nuh? Why? Hmm? What's the message? Huh? Why? In another word, very good answer. You're getting close. Another answer. Yes. Very good. To, to take the people back to the right religion they were upon. Because they changed. They did something else. Instead of turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, invoking to Him and asking Him, they were asking the idols that were representing those pious men. See, the polytheists did not worship the idols because they are idols, because, because they're pieces of stone. But they worshipped them because they represented those pious men that were, that were alive and that were followed before. And they thought that because they are pious men and they are close to Allah, uh, their, their prayer is not answered, except through them. Because since they're close to Allah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would only listen to them. They said, we are not worthy of asking Allah directly. We are people who have sinned. And surely we are not of the same rank and of the same level as those pious men. Look how the devil deceived them. So he said, we'll go to them. Those who are closer to Allah and we'll ask them. And this is the, the, the first or the major plot of the shaitan. Basically, the shaitan said to them, the kings, are they approached directly? The kings of this dunya. Huh. Are they approached directly? Is there, are there palaces open to everyone to approach and go and ask them directly? Hmm? No. There has to be someone between the king and and his people. What's his mission? To deliver to the king the needs of his people. Why? Why? Give me a reason. Huh? Naam? Say out loud. Many? Good. Does the king hear? What happens outside of his palace? Huh? No. This is one. I'm getting to a point. Please pay attention. Does the king see what's going on, what's going on outside of his palace? No. Okay. If the intercessor, the minister, etc. comes to the king, and asks something of him. And the king refuses every request that that intercessor asks. What will happen? What will happen? None? No one will go to? to the, no. Hmm. In other words, if the king refuses to attend to the needs of his people, what will happen? The people will go against him. Like what's happening now, which is not permissible. Yes? 
This is number three, point number three. Point number four, is a king a king without his people? Hmm? No. Otherwise, anyone would go to the middle of the desert and scream, this is my kingdom. Right? So this is point number four. So, the king does not see any, everyone. He does not hear everyone. He needs his people. He needs to accept whatever his people ask him of. He is not a king without his people. What did the shaitan say? Shaitan said, just as a king needs someone to tell him what his people need, so does Allah. You get me? Just as, Allah, just as the king doesn't hear all the call of his people, so does Allah. Subhanallah. See? This is the base of polytheism. It is uh, resembling other other than Allah with Allah. Just as the king needs his people, so does Allah. Subhanallah. The answer to this is simple. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees all. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears all. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't need his people. He is not in need. If you do good, it is only for your own good. Understood? So this is how the shaitan made them fall into worshipping other than Allah. This is why every polytheist seeks intercession based upon this misconception. Understood? So when the religion was changed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Nuh. Meaning, take the people back to what they were, to what they used to be upon, to the right religion. Nuh came. He stayed in his people for how long? 950 years. 50 long years. 950 long years. How many believed with Nuh? It was said for, it was said, Allahu Akbar. Only few followed Nuh. Tayyip, then the people of Nuh after, same thing, what happened to the people before, happened to the people after. After Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved Nuh and the ship, etc. They lived, and then among them were scholars, and then scholars died, the knowledge decreased, the ignorance increased. What happened? Same thing that happened before happened again. And when it happened again, huh? We need another messenger. Another messenger comes, etc. Same thing happens. So why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send out the messengers for this cause? To take the people back to the right religion they were upon. 
to correct the misunderstandings and the misconceptions. Proof, evidence, inshaAllah. With every point, there will come an evidence. There will come its evidence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Nahl, in Surah Al-Nahl, which is Surah number 16, verse number. You can help me if you want. وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا أَنِ اعْبُدُ اللَّهَ أَحْسَنْتْ أَنِ اعْبُدُ اللَّهَ وَاجْتَنِبُ الطَّاغُوتِ أَنِ اعْبُدُ اللَّهَ وَاجْتَنِبُ الطَّاغُوتِ No. Surah number 16, verse number 36. 36. See what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا أَنِ اعْبُدُ اللَّهَ And verily we have sent among every ummah, every community, every nation, a messenger proclaiming what? Believe that Allah is the only creator. Yes? Believe that Allah is the only provider. Huh? No. They believe in that. Everyone believes in it. By the way, the believer and the disbeliever believes that Allah. Nobody disbelieves that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only creator and the only provider and the only one who disposes of the affairs. They all believe in that. But this is their problem. The problem is they have turned to other than Allah. They have surrendered to other than Allah. They have worshipped other than Allah. That's why the message, the message of all messengers from the beginning of Nuh. Why didn't I say Adam? Very good. From the beginning of Nuh until Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the same message doesn't change. See, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ And verily we have sent among every ummah, community, nation, a messenger proclaiming worship Allah alone and avoid or keep away from ta'ut. All false deities worship besides Allah. Do not worship anything besides Allah. Then of them were some whom Allah guided and of them were some upon whom the straying was justified. So travel through the land and see what was the end of those who denied the truth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also, every, every messenger says the same thing to his people. The same thing. Hmm. Open with me Surah Al-A'raf. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-A'raf, which is Surah number 7. Verse number 59. Verse number 59. Watch and observe with me what every messenger says to his people. Same thing, same message. لَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا نُوحًا إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ Indeed, we sent Nuh to his people and he said, Oh my people, worship Allah. You have no other ilah, God, but him. This is Nuh and his people. Who was sent to Ad? Hud. And to Ad. Verse number 65. And to add people was sent their brethren or their brother, Hud, their brother in blood, not in religion. He said, Oh my people, because he was from their tribe. He said, Oh my people, worship Allah. You have no other ilah God but Him. Same message? Same message. After that, Thamud. Who was sent to Thamud? Salih. وَإِلَى ثَمُودَ أَخَاهُمْ صَالِحًا Verse number 73. قَالَ يَا قَوْمِ عُبُدُ اللَّهَ مَا لَكُمْ مِنْ إِلَهٍ غَيْرُهُ And to Thamud, people was sent their brother Salih. He said, O oh my people, worship Allah. 
you have no other ilah god but him after that Midian Shuaib verse 85 and to the people of Midian we sent their brother Shuaib he said oh my people worship Allah you have no other ilah god but him same message no no different same message so all of their messages was calling to Islam to the istislam to surrendering to Allah this was their call their call was one from the beginning until the end what do we benefit we benefit that the stories of the Quran are enough to clarify this point but it only needs the people who consider it carefully who consider the Quran carefully as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Yusuf لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي قَصَصِهِمْ عِبَرَةٌ لِأُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ مَا كَانَ حَدِيثًا يُفْتَرَى Surah Yusuf which is Surah number 12 the very end the very last verse I think triple one yes لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي قَصَصِهِمْ عِبَرَةٌ لِأُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ indeed in their stories there is a lesson for men of understanding for men of understanding so only the men who yani, consider carefully the Qur'an and read their stories carefully, they will know this conclusion. That the Prophet, the message, the messages, the message that all messengers came with is, is, is the same message. طيب. The Prophet came with the same message as well. And this is when Amr ibn Luhay al-Khuzai, he was a, a religious man and uh, the people used to follow him. Amr al-Luhay al-Khuzai went to Asham, if I'm not mistaken, and there the devil whispered to him a place where those five very idols were buried. What five idols? Wad waswa, the idols of the people of Nuh. Wad waswa, wayaguth, wayaguk, wa nasr. This is in brief. So he brought, he brought back, he digged out those idols and brought them to, to Jazirat al-Arab. Jazirat al-Arab. And he called the people to, to worship them. And this was when the Arabs worshipped. The, the shirk happened in, in the, with the Arabs. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to take them back to the right religion Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stayed calling his people giving them this message to worship, teaching them or uh, uh, calling them to worship Allah alone for 10 long years not even the salah was was uh, the order of the salah wasn't revealed. No rulings. Ten long years only calling to what? To worshipping Allah alone. To worshipping Allah alone. Teaching them how to worship Allah alone. How to be considered as a worshipper of Allah. Ten long years. No salah, no zakah, nothing. Just the call to this. Ten years. 
So it took the Prophet وسلم, to bring up the Sahaba upon worshipping Allah alone for 10 long years. How long do we need? How long do we need? If the Sahaba, the people of understanding, they were the Arabs themselves. They listened to the verse and they understand it. Because it was in their own language. How long do we need? So this is why those classes were chosen to be on this topic. On how to worship Allah alone and how to achieve that. Because this is what makes you a Muslim. What are the pillars of Islam? First pillar, Shahadat an la ilaha illallah wa shahadat anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Those two witnesses are the base and foundation of your religion. All prayer and all acts of worship are not considered valid or fruitful or beneficial or useful without that first pillar. That's why, that's why the disbelievers, they do good deeds. You think they don't? They pray. Surah Al-Anfal. Surah Al-Anfal. Surah Al-Anfal. Surah Al-Anfal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا كَانَ صَلَاتُهُمْ عِنْدَ الْبَيْتِ إِلَّا مُكَاءً وَتَصْدِيَةً Yeah, they used to pray. Forgive the reference. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَمَا مَنَعَهُمْ أَن تُقْبَلَ مِنْهُمْ نَفَقَاتُهُمْ إِلَّا أَنَّهُمْ كَفَرُوا بِاللَّهِ Yeah, it, it, it wasn't that their nafaqat, their spending out for the cause of Allah. It wasn't that it was uh, rejected, except because they had disbelieved in Allah. So they were spending out there. They were. They were. They were spending of that of that which Allah Subhanahu wa Taala bestowed on them. And they were even doing tawaf around around the Kaaba, and they used to do it bare naked. And they even used to, yani, uh, be good to the to the to their neighbors. And they used to be good to the, to, the, to the needy, to the poor and needy. But that was of no use to them. Why? Because they have disbelieved in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How have they disbelieved in Allah? They disbelieved in the existence of Allah? They disbelieved in, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being the only creator? Hmm. They disbelieved by worshipping other than Allah. By worshipping other than Allah. And worshipping other than Allah takes many forms. It is not just by bowing to other than Allah or prostrating to other than Allah. No, it's a lot more than that. Because the Prophet ﷺ, and I repeat, and I repeat this a lot, took 10 years. It didn't take 10 years for nothing. Those 10 years weren't for nothing. Those 10 years, if just this topic, this issue, which is worshipping Allah, took 10 long years, then it is of a very great importance and, and of many details that you, my brother Muslim, and my sister Muslimah, should learn to set up writer worship. And these, are, these books are meant to teach us that, and just that. These books. 
those three books. I believe you have the, the books with you. The first book is uh, four principles from the Quran, derived from the Quran. Yani four verses. The second, with an introduction, of course, and we shall explain the book fully, inshallah. The second are the three questions of the grave. And this is, we will uh, explain this book for a reason. And there is a reason we're going to talk about these three questions. Because the, those three questions lead to this conclusion, to worshipping Allah alone. And the fourth, the fourth, skipping the third, are acts that nullify your Islam. Any acts that get you out of the circle of Islam. Farewell. Hmm. But it, here it needs another question. Address him in what manner? What manner? Yeah, for example, if you say, Allahumma salli ala al-hashir al-aqib, instead of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Can you say what? Mahir? Mahir? Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Yes, yes. Yes. It's his name. No? Why not? Why will it lead to confusion? Uh, here, if you're saying it in front of people, that's another question. Is saying with yourself, yes. You say, well, call him which, whatever name you wish. But to he who does not know, it is not wise to say if he does not know that, uh, he, that uh, Muhammad Sallallahu has another name, unless you clarify first. Well, there. Uh, where did the five pious men live uh, in the time period of Nuh or uh, before him? Okay, did they live... In his time period or before him? No, in his time period. When we say people of Nuh, that means the tribe of Nuh. When we say the coming of Nuh, Nuh came from that tribe, from that group of people. Understood? Understood, whoever asked? Can we just take one more question? And we, we want to press the sisters as well. Maybe they have a question. Equally, inshallah. In Surah Yusuf, it mentions that most of the believers are the ones who do shirk. Mm. Most of the believers? In which surah? In Surah Yusuf. I will clarify that. Inshallah, but not now. Most of the people do not believe except that they attribute uh, partners to Allah. This means that they believe in something and they dis disbelieve in something else. Most of them believe not except that they attribute partners with Allah. Right? The, all the interpreters, what did they say? They said they believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who created them. The only one who provides them. The only one who disposes their affairs. 
But on top of that, on top of believing in Allah's lordship, they worship other than Allah. They worship other than Allah. So the verse mentioned their belief. But along with, with disbelieving, most of them believe not except that they attribute. What is the disbelief? Attributing partners to Allah is a disbelief. Understood? Attributing partners to Allah is a disbelief. And he said they were, they were believing. Of course, one cannot be a disbeliever and a believer at the same time. So, this concludes to understanding that there are two things to be believed in. The first one is believing in Allah's Lordship. What does that mean? Believing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only creator, is the only provider, is the only one who disposes the affairs. Because this has to do with Allah's actions. Allah's actions. You have to believe that there is no partner with Allah in his actions. This is number one. This is belief number one. There's another belief on top of that. You have to single out Allah with your actions. That means you only worship Allah with your actions. Right? So the belief, the first belief mentioned in the verse is the belief in Allah's actions. And the second is giving all your actions to Allah. The disbelievers were disbelievers because they believed in the first and not the second. Understood? They believed in the first. They believed that Allah is the only creator, the only one who created them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, If you ask them who created the, the, the heavens and the earth, they will say Allah. In another verse, he says, Who has brought down the, 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 the water from the, from the heavens? They will say Allah. So they believe in that. But where is their disbelief? They actually contradicted themselves. Because if they believe that Allah is the only provider, the only one who provides them, then they shouldn't ask except from the one who provides them. So because they contradicted themselves, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took this belief that they believed in as evidence against them. Meaning, it is as if he said, if you believe that Allah is the only one who created you, why do you turn to other than him? If you believe that Allah is the, is the one who provides you, why do you ask from other than him? If you believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who disposes of your affairs, why do you believe that other than Allah could do that? Etc. Wadih? Same number of questions. Yeah. You mentioned that the Sahaba heard the verse and understood it no. because they were from the Arabs. No. This means that it was so much easier for them to do their Islam. Of course, because they were the people of this tongue. Because this uh, Quran and Sunnah was revealed in that language. So it was their own language. See, the language existed before the revelation of the Quran. Yes. Plus, they had the prophets, so it was much easier. So, shouldn't they be judged differently from us? Wouldn't that be fair? Uh, come again. Plus, they had the prophets, so it was much easier for them. To Alhamdulillah, we have the prophets. We have the prophets. How do we have the prophets? Huh? Sunnah, Alhamdulillah, was kept reserved. Alhamdulillah, we have the prophets. Better yet, we have the teachings of the Sahaba. We have the Sahaba among us as well. 
But yet, we have the clarifications of the scholars to what the Sahaba were upon and what to what the Prophet ﷺ were upon. Alhamdulillah, Allah was not to put us at loss. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that he has made his religion clear to everyone. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that, Allah, that he has sent his messenger to all people. So this means that he has to keep those teachings preserved until this time and until the end of time. So we wouldn't be judged differently. Anyone? Is praising the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in any way acceptable, i.e. beyond the dua and prayers that the Prophet has taught us. Is, again? Is praising the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in any way acceptable? I mean, as you like. Not, Not any, any way. If you exaggerate in praising the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this might lead you to glorifying, glorifying him more than you should. Just like what the people of Nuh did. They glorified, they exaggerated in glorifying those pious men. What did, lead, what did it lead them to? Naam. So Naam, the Prophet ﷺ is the best man that ever walked on this earth. But we do not exceed and exaggerate the limits in praising him so we don't fall into something else that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not pleased with. Naam. Okay, you mentioned the hadith that uh, Rasulullah said that if any of the people from the Jews and the Christians believe and reject him Whoever was delivered or uh, to the teachings of Islam and understood that uh, the Islam is a religion no different than the previous religions, that it calls to the same thing, worshipping Allah alone, then he has to follow. But that who grew up in a place where Islam, for example, is understood uh, uh, in, in uh, something else, or he has a mis grew up having has a has a misunderstanding about Islam. No, he might be pardoned, but pardoned between him and Allah. But according to us, we only judge on what we see, because the Prophet ﷺ ordered us to judge upon what we see. So what we see from you, then this is what we what we give you as a judgment. You worship other than Allah, then you are a disbeliever to us. But between you and Allah, it might be something different because you didn't understand Islam, for example, properly. Well, the hadha, is this clear? No. How would you how would you answer to the statement of a non Muslim who says that if Allah dies when he lives and this dies when he lives, uh -huh. then what is the use of uh, researching Islam, studying Islam, and following, following Islam? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't leave it didn't leave it up to our uh, our own logic or understanding because that differs from each person to another and people would differ if they were left without a prophet so to understand the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as he is pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the messengers understood if I understood the question correctly otherwise uh, the person who asked correct me if I didn't
And please repeat the question. This is the means and reasons. The means and reasons to follow Islam. There has to be means and reasons. As means and reasons to anything else. If you want to get somewhere, you have to take the means and reasons. To seek a means of transportation to get to that certain point. So we cannot get to the teachings of Islam or to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed without the reason given to us. What is the reason to understand what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed? Is the sending of his prophet. So Allah sent his prophets to clarify to us what Allah, what pleases Allah and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not pleased with. That was the last question. Barakallahu feekum. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. صلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد all the praises are to Allah we praise him and seek his aid and ask his forgiveness and may the peace and blessings and salawat be upon his slave and messenger Muhammad his house of kin his companions and all who followed them exactly until the day of judgment <coughs> so we said in the previous class on the previous hour that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent out the messengers to call to what? to worshipping Allah alone Worshipping Allah alone. What is worshipping Allah alone? Singling out Allah in worship. Singling out Allah in worship. And to single out something, this is expressed in Arabic with the word wahada. With the word wahada. So wahada is to single something out or to make something one. So to make something one is expressed by the verb wahada. Wahada is the past verb. Wahada. And the mudari, the present verb, is yuwahidu. In Arabic, inshallah, to every verb or to every form, there's a root or an origin. And the origin is called al-masdar. Al-masdar. Al-masdar linguistically means the origin. Al-masdar linguistically means the origin. But al-masdar in the Arabic sciences is meant or is referred to the act one does. It means the act one does. This is the mustar, al mustar. This is the technical definition, not the linguistic definition. The linguistic definition of al mustar is what is the source, al mustar. So masdarul miyah, hu al ard. the source of water is the earth. So the earth is a source. The earth is al mustar. Al mustar linguistically means the source. Right. Here, in all forms of Arabic uh, yani, uh, words of the same root, there is a mustar, meaning there is a, an, an origin where, from where we derive those words of the same root. Understood? This, whoever doesn't understand, please feel free to raise your hand and say, I don't understand. Right? When I finish. 
So al-masdar is the origin, linguistically. But in morphology, sarf, Arabic sciences, we call the masdar the act, basically in, in English it's called the verbal noun. The verbal noun. And it is the noun you give the act one does. Okay? So for example, what am I doing now? Bismillah. Drinking. Drinking in Arabic is called shurb. The act of drinking is called shurb. Understand? So shurb is a masdar. Shurb is a masdar. Meaning a verbal noun. Right? What am I doing now? Typing. This is called a masdar. Typing, the act of typing. The act of typing is called a masdar in Arabic. Tiba'ah. Tiba'ah. Okay, this is called a masdar. So to every word in Arabic, every form has its origin, where it was derived from. Wadih, clear? This origin is called al-mustar. I'll give you an example. Bala man aslama wajahahu lillah. In the Quran it says, Bala man aslama wajahahu lillah. Indeed, he who has made himself submissive to Allah or surrendered to Allah. Aslama. Aslama is a past verb which means given himself or surrendered himself. Surrendered. Aslama means surrendered. This word is a past verb. What is the act of surrendering yourself called in Arabic? This is the al-masdar, the verbal noun. How do you say it? Aslama, the verbal noun is al-islam. Aslama islaman. Islaman. There's a point I want to get to. Please pay attention. Aslama, islaman. Ahsana, ahsanan, mashallah. You're Arabic now. Amana, imana. See, it's, it's simple. Just know the principle and you produce your own words. See, you're producing your own words now. I didn't help you on that. Tayyib, akrama, akrama. Tayyib, wahada. No, it doesn't work that way. Wahada, because it's different, it sounds different than Aslama, it has another principle. It has another principle, okay? Wahada, how we do it in morphology, Wahada sounds like Fa'ala. Wahada, Fa'ala. Sounds just like Fa'ala. Alright? Now the origin of Fa'ala is Taf'il. Sounds like that. Okay, I'll write it down. The origin of this kind of verb is or sounds like Taf 
عيل تفعيل وحد فعل هوضا فعل تفعيل A word that we're familiar with ركب تركيب شغل تشغيل وحد توحيد See where the word توحيد comes from? It's the origin of this verb This verb There's no pointer here. Right. This verb here, wahada. Simple. So wahada is to single out something. So to say someone singled out Allah, made Allah one. How do we say it? Wahada Allah. Wahada Allah. Wadih. Wahada Allah is to single out Allah. Single out Allah. Now, the question that was asked about the verse in Surah Yusuf, we'll talk about it right now, inshaAllah. Which verse is that? وَمَا يُؤْمِنُ أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ وَمَا يُؤْمِنُ أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ Hmm. Illa wahum mushrikun. Right. billah. Surah number twelve, verse number one oh six. Verse number one oh six. Let's consider carefully this verse. Insha'Allah, study together this verse. It says wama yu'minu aktharuhum billahi illa wahum mushrikun, and most of them believe not in Allah except, etc. So is there a belief? Huh? Yes. There is a belief. Write that down. So there is a belief. Most of them believe not in Allah except that they attribute partners to Him. Except that they attribute partners to Him. Attributing partners to Allah is an act of disbelief. Is an act of Disbelief. Agree? Agreed. So in this verse is mentioned an act of or believing. This is number one. Secondly, disbelieving. Can one believe and disbelieve at the same time? Or can one be considered, let me rephrase, considered a believer and a disbeliever at the same time? No. So here, there is a belief in something, something particular, and a disbelief in something else. In other words, there is a singling out of Allah in something, and there is attributing partners to Allah in something else. Understood? So he says, وَمَا يُؤْمِنُ أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ and most of them believe not in Allah, except that they attribute partners to Him. What is that? Or in what have they singled out Allah in? And in what have they not singled out Allah in? We'll see. We'll see. 
طيب question do the do the disbelievers believe that there is another creator with Allah what's your proof huh what's your proof wala in sa'altahum man khalaqa as-samawati wal ard la yaquluna Allah take this verse beautiful verse it uh, includes all of these things which is Surah Yunus, in Surah Yunus. Let's open together Surah Yunus, insha'Allah. Surah Yunus is Surah number 10. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ مَنْ يَرْزُقُكُمْ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ أَمَّنْ يَمْلِكُ السَّمَعَ وَالْأَبْصَارِ وَمَنْ يُخْرِجُ الْحَيَّ مِنَ الْمَيِّتِ وَيُخْرِجُ الْمَيِّتَ مِنَ الْحَيِّ وَمَنْ يُدَبِّرُ الْأَمْرَ فَسَيَقُولُونَ اللَّهِ فَقُلْ أَفَلَا تَتَّقُونَ فَقُلْ أَفَلَا تَتَّقُونَ This is in Surah number 10. Verse number 31. Verse number 31. See. قُلْ Directed speech to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Say, say to the people. Say to the people. Say to them what? قُلْ Say, and, and, and particularly, say to the ones who have worshipped other than Allah, say to them this. Say, O Muhammad, who provides you from the sky and the earth? قُلْ مَنْ يَرْزُقُكُمْ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ Or who owns hearing and sight? And who brings out the living, the living from the dead? And brings out the dead from the living? And who disposes the affairs? They will say, Allah. They will say, Allah. So, did they single out Allah in those things mentioned? Huh? Yes. Yes, they have. So, what are those things that are mentioned? Those things that are mentioned all fall under Allah's Lordship. Under Allah, Allah's Lordship. Understood? Yani Allah's Lordship being the creator, being the, uh, the one who disposes the affairs, the provider, the one who brings life after death, vice versa, etc. Understood? This is of Allah's Lordship, of Allah's actions. Con continue the verse. What does it say? After they said Allah, there is... Huh, using this belief against them against what they are doing. Continue the verse. It says, Will you not then be afraid of Allah's punishment for setting up rivals in worship with Allah? So have they have singled out Allah in something and they haven't in something else. This, the thing which they have singled out Allah in is Allah's Lordship. Allah's Lordship. Now, the Lord uh, in Arabic is Ar-Rabb. 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 Ar-Rabb is the Lord. And we will explain thoroughly what Ar-Rabb means soon, inshaAllah. So Ar-Rabb is the Lord. Tayyip. The Lord is Ar-Rabb. Lordship is called in Arabic and as reference 
to the Lord is called Rububiyyah. 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 Like Imarat, Imaratiyya. It's a reference. Arab Arububiyyah. Wadih. Al Khuluk. Al Khulukiyyah. Etc. This is a reference. Al Rububiyyah. So Allah's Lordship is called Rububiyyatullah. Rububiyyatullah. They have singled out Allah in, in Lordship, in His Lordship. So we say, Wahadullah fi rububiyyatihi, or fi rububiyyah. Fi arububiyyah. Right? Understood? Anyone didn't understand? Anyone? Right. Then we have something else, which is the thing they have contradicted or opposed. They have set up rivals and partners with Allah. But in what? In English. Worship. In worship. Everything which is worshipped in Arabic, anything, anyone who is worshipped in Arabic is called ilah. Anything worshipped is called ilah. Anything. Whether falsely or correctly, anything that is worshipped is called ilah. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَمَنْ يَدْعُ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَاهًا آخَرَ Surah Al-Mu'minun, the second last verse. Open with me, inshallah, Surah Al-Mu'minun. Surah number 23, second last verse, which is verse number 117. And whoever invokes or worships besides Allah any other, any other? Ilah. Any other? Ilah. Did Allah prove another Ilah in this verse? Yes. He said, He said, whoever invokes another Ilah, if there, were, if there wasn't another Ilah, He wouldn't say another Ilah. Right? But Ilah, don't misunderstand. Ilah is not Allah. Anyone or anything worshipped is called Ilah. Because we said that anything is worshipped, whether falsely or correctly, is called Ilah. Are they people who worship the sun? The sun is an Ilah. Not to us but to the ones who have worshipped it. Understood? Why do we go far? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Have you seen he who has taken his own desire as an ilah? So he called the desire an ilah when the person following it worshipped it. Agree? So everything worshipped is called ilah, whether falsely or correctly. But the one who deserves to be worshipped, the ilah who deserves to be worshipped is only Allah. Is only Allah. So we need to single out Allah as one ilah. 
or as the only ilah. The reference to Rabb is Rububiyya. The reference to ilah is ilahiyya. Just add yiyya at the end. For starters. Wadih? The reference to ilah is ilahiyya. So, if we single out Allah in being the only God deserving to be worshipped, we say, Wahad Allah fi al ilahiyya. That means, so what does Wahad Allah fi rububiyya means? It means believing that Allah is the only Lord, is the only Lord. What does Wahad Allah fi ilahiyya mean? It means believing that Allah is the only one huh, deserving, not worshipped. Don't say Allah is the only one worshipped, because that is wrong. Because there are a lot of things worshipped besides Allah. Say, Allah is the only one, de is the only ilah deserving to be worshipped. Agree? طيب. So, how many beliefs in Allah, which we have mentioned? Huh? Two. Yes. Two. Based upon that, the scholars said that the types of belief in Allah are two. Adding one, we will explain, inshallah. But in general, they are two. In general, they are two. They said the first one is called, the first belief is called Al-Imanu bi Al-Rububiyya or in other sense, Tawheedu Al-Rububiyya. Since Tawheed means what? Linguistically. Singling out. Yes. Singling out Allah. In what? In His Lordship. Taib. The second kind. Tawheed. Al-Uluhiyya. Is singling out Allah. In Lordship. Do you understand the verse now? And, and how those mentioned in the verse. The verse I'm referring to is the verse of Surah Yusuf. And most of them believe not in Allah, except that they attribute partners to Allah or with Allah in worship. You see how they believed in something and they disbelieved in something else? That is what they believed in. What they believed in is a rububiyyah. What they disbelieved in is al-uluhiyyah. That's why, and the proof to differentiate or to uh, uh, understand better that the term ilah يعني, covers يعني, both Allah and, and whatever is worshipped is the surah or the, uh, the verse mentioned in, in, in Surah Luqman. Surah Luqman. Surah Luqman. Which is surah number 31. 31. Verse number 30. Verse number 30. That is because Allah, He is the truth. Yani the ilah who deserves to be worshipped. The ilah who deserves to be worshipped. 
and that whichever or which they invoke besides him is al-batil, falsehood, worship falsely. You might say, I don't get it. Where is al-ilah mentioned or ilah mentioned in this verse? It is the word Allah. It is the word Allah. What is Allah? Allah is originally this. Al-ilah. Let's spell it together, yeah? Allah. Alif. Lam. 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 Ha. It wasn't like that before. It was Al-Alif Lam Alif Lam Ha Al-I-Lah What is people in Arabic? Al-Nas Al-Nas wasn't Al-Nas It was Al-U-Nas What is Khair? Huh? Ahsant. Who said Akhir? Ahsant. But you were attending the online classes, so it's not fair. Khair is Akhir. Because Khair means what? Better. Fulan Khairu min Fulan. That means so and so is better than so and so. Akhir. Shar, Ashar. But. Because the, there's a general principle, the Arabic seek likeness in speech. So they tend to sometimes abbreviate and, and shorten something, shorten some words. They, they drop the, the, the hamza. Because they use this word a lot, which is al-ilah. So al-ilah, 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 dropping that alif, e, e, concludes in merging the two lambs together. The two lambs, the first lamb and the second lamb. Leading to what? Allah. So Allah is originally Al-Ilah. What does Al-Ilah mean? The one who is worshipped. Understood? The one who is worshipped. The one who is worshipped. ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقِّ The one who is worshipped, he is the truth. He is the one deserving to be worshipped. And whatever they invoke besides him, Falsehood. Worship falsely. That is why shirk, polytheism, is the utmost oppression. Why? Because it is placing the worship in the place it's not supposed to be, giving it to other who, who, than the one who deserves it, who is Allah. So, we can understand now the meaning of the word at-tawheed. Tawheed. What does tawheed mean? It means singling out Allah. طيب. Singling out Allah, is it only in one thing? No. It is in three things, as the scholars mentioned. Like Abu Hanifa and his student, uh, Abu Yaqub, and all, all the scholars of Islam, even before them, even uh, the Sahaba, because of what they mentioned in that verse that we have said. So, based upon this, we say, believing in Allah, Believing in Allah There we go Is or takes Three parts 
First of all, hmm, I, want you, I want your help on this, because this is an interactive class. I like my classes to be interactive. So please help me, help me out on this. So first of all is believing. You can correct me also, because my English is rusty. Believing. Believing. In Allah's huh, Lordship, very good. Lordship. What's the Lordship called in Arabic? Rububiyyah. Beautiful, MashaAllah. Second, believing in Allah's huh, worship, MashaAllah. Or to be in Allah's right to be worshipped. In Allah's right to be worshipped alone. Very good. Alone. Thirdly, believing in Allah's names and attributes. Tawheed al-asma'i wa sifat. The third one. So the first one, believing in Allah's lordship, is called al-imanu bil-rububiyyah. Because I said believing. If I was to say, singling out Allah in his lordship, Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. Believing in Allah's right to be worshipped alone. Al-Imanu bil-Uluhiyyah. Singling out Allah in that. Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah. Believing in Allah's names and attributes. Al-Imanu bil-Asma'i wa-Sifat. Ahsanti. Singling out Allah in that. Tawheedu. Do we understand where the scholars got those types of belief from? It's from the Qur'an. So it's not something innovated. They have simply analyzed the Qur'an and came up with this organized parting of the belief. The belief in Allah is not one thing because if it was only one kind of belief, then the disbelievers would have been believers because they believe that Allah is the only creator, the only provider, the only one who disposes the affairs. Then they would have been believers if it was only one kind. No, it is more than one kind because the disbelievers, the polytheists, didn't believe in the second one. Second one. Just because of that, they were disbelievers. Understood? Just because of that, they were disbelievers. Wadih. So this is the three parts of a tawheed. Tawheed is al-iman. It's the same thing. Tawheed is al-ikhlas. It's the same thing. What does al-ikhlas mean? Literally, and literally, what does it mean? Ikhlas. Sincerity. To make something pure. Pure from something else. Could we say making something pure from something else is singling out something from something else? Could we say that? Huh? I don't mind saying no. If you say no, huh? Yes, we could, right? Because we could make something free from something else. This would mean singling it out from something else. That's why al-ikhlas is a tawheed. And that's the meaning of ikhlas. That's the very meaning of al-ikhlas. We'll start, inshallah, with the book. Those were introductions, very important introductions to understand what we're going to Read, inshallah. This book 
has four fundamental principles taken from the Quran. What's meant by this book is to identify who is the believer. Now, what, what benefit are we supposed to take from this book? We will identify who is the believer and who is not. From those four principles, we'll be able to identify who is worshipping Allah alone and who is not. Who achieved the second one, which is believing in Allah's worship and who did not. Why? Because there are a lot of people who refer themselves to Islam but they themselves haven't believed in that second one. Meaning, worshipped other than Allah. So we need to know. Because I told you, this is the way of Allah. The way of Allah, the people of knowledge die. Ignorance spreads. When ignorance spreads, Islam is understood not how it's supposed to be. And when that happens, people go off course. And they do things not of Islam. And the first thing we should learn as Muslims is we should learn what are the things that don't make us a Muslim. This is first things first. Not what are the things that don't make me praying right. Yes, that's important. But that's not, what's, that, that's not what's first. Because the first pillar of Islam is not the salah. What is it? Shahadatu Allah ilaha illallah. When are you? Achieving this shahada, la ilaha illallah, and when are you not? We have to learn. Why? Because I said, the Prophet ﷺ spent the first 10 years only, strictly, particularly, clarifying this point. Who is achieving la ilaha illallah and who is not? And who is not? This doesn't mean that the rest of the years, of the, of the 13 years, have uh, the Prophet ﷺ did not call to it. No, this means, uh, what I m meant is the first 10 years were strictly only for that. Right? So in this book, from studying this book, we would know who is he, who is the real monotheistic believer. Monotheistic is the one singling out Allah. In English, monotheistic. A monotheistic believer, and who is the polytheist? Whether originally a polytheist, and you're not a Muslim, or whether a Muslim who falls into some acts which make him a polytheist, with him not knowing. Now, this does not mean that we are judging on people who do that as polytheists, no. But we're saying that we Muslims, because of our ignorance, and because of, of uh, if we do not seek knowledge, we might fall into being polytheists without even knowing so. Why? Because we didn't learn our deen. We didn't learn our deen. Simple as that. Wadi, is this clear? So, we, we will start, inshaAllah. The author of this book said, Asalullah al Karim, Rabbal Arshil Azim, and Yetawalaka fi dunya wal akhirah. I ask Allah, the most generous, the Lord of the throne, to protect you in the world and in the hereafter. The author started with a dua. He asks, he's asking Allah for you. To what? That he protects you. Here he said protects. 
he translated, of course, the, the Arabic quote is Asalullah al Kareem, Rabb al Arsh al Azim, and Yetawalaka, and Yetawalaka fi dunya wal akhira. Asalullah al Kareem, I ask Allah al Kareem, the most generous. Rabb al Arsh al Azim, Rabb, what does Rabb mean? The Lord. Rabb al Arsh al Azim, the Lord of the tremendous throne. أَنْ يَتَوَلَّاكَ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ What does يَتَوَلَّاك mean? يَتَوَلَّاك is taken يَتَوَلَّاك means takes you as a wali A wali is a word we know What is a wali? Bismillah Hmm? Naam? Guardian? Protector? Friend, close brother, nearest, all of you are right. All answers are right. How? We'll explain. Al-Walaya is taken, or uh, Al-Wali is taken from Al-Walaya. I'm going to be referring to the origin a lot. We said Al-Masdar, remember? The name or the verbal noun, the name, the act, uh, the name of the act one does. Is taken from Al-Walaya or Al-Wali, 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 not Al-Wali, Al-Wali. What is Al-Wali? Al-Wali is being close with love. Being close with love. That is Al-Wali. So, whoever is close to you with love is your Wali. Whoever is close to you with love is your wali. Wadih? So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes you as a wali, what does that mean? He takes you as a loved one. This is the meaning of wali. So, simple. Who is a wali? A wali is a person who Allah loves, whom Allah loves. Doesn't mean someone with the... Uh, uh, super powers or someone who can flip the word around. No. Simply, Al-Wali is the one who Allah, whom Allah loves. Who does Allah love? Huh? No. Who does Allah love? Allah loves who obeys Him. Sahih? Whoever obeys Allah is love to Allah. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allahu waliyu ladina amanu. We know this verse, this verse right after uh, Ayat al-Kursi. Allahu waliyu alladheena amanu yukhrijuhum min al-dhulumati ila al-nur waladheena kafaru awliyauhum al-taghut yukhrijunahum min al-nur ila al-dhulumat ulaika ashabu al-narihum fiha khalidu. Uh, surah number 2, verse number 2, 5, 7. Allah is the wali, protector or guardian. It is more, more, uh, uh, more general than that, than just protecting uh, or, or guarding of those who believe. He brings them out from darkness into light. But as for those who disbelieve, their awliya, supporters, helpers, etc., are taghut, false deities, and false leaders. They bring them out from light into darkness. So al-wali is the one who is close to Allah, who is loved by Allah. Verily, the one whom Allah loves will eventually be guided by Allah, protected by Allah. 
right? So supported by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wadih? This is the meaning of al-wadi. Simple as that. So the author is asking Allah that he makes you one of his loved ones. What a great dua. And this the author took from the Quran. From the Quran. From Surah Yusuf. This is the uh, very call of Yusuf to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you want to open with me Surah Yusuf, which is Surah number 12. The very end of Surah Yusuf. Yusuf says, Rabbi qad ataytani min al-mulk wa'allamtani min ta'wil al-ahadith fatir al-samawati wal-ard anta waliyyi fi dunya wal-akhirah tawaffani musliman wa'alhiqni bil-salihin Surah number 12, verse number 101. 101. My Lord, you have indeed bestowed on me of the sovereignty and taught me something of the interpretation of dreams. The only creator of the heavens and the earth, you are my wali. You are my wali, etc. Protector, helper, supporter, guardian, God, Lord, see? In this world and in the hereafter. This is the very dua of the, of the author. He says, I ask Allah, Asallah al Karim, Rabb al Arsh al Adim, and Yetawalaka fi dunya wal akhira. Fi dunya wal akhira. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes you, uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes you as a loved one, someone who He supports, who He guides in the dunya. In the dunya, we can understand the, the guidance, how the guidance happens in the dunya, that you are guided to the straight path, that you are a Muslim, that you are obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what about the akhira? He says, Where is the guidance in the Akhirah? Uh, how can we understand the guidance in the Akhirah? On As-Sirat, Ahsanti. As-Sirat. Even in the Akhirah, there's guidance. Upon that bridge over the hellfire which is thinner than hair, than hair and sharper than a blade over the hellfire people differ how they cross that bridge some of them cross it in the speed of lightning some of them in the speed of the wind some of them run some of them walk some of them crawl some of them walk and fall May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of the ones who pass that bridge. Amen. This guidance is according to this guidance in the dunya. The guidance in the hereafter is according to the guidance in, in the dunya. Yani, depending on how much you are guided in this uh, dunya, you will be guided in the hereafter. How much you are, obe uh, you are obedient and upon the straight path firmly, the easier you will pass that bridge. So this depends upon that. So asking Allah for you that you are guided in the dunya and in the hereafter includes both. And that he makes you blessed wherever you are. Blessed wherever you are. And this is also taken from the Quran, this dua. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this is the dua of uh, uh, Isa alayhi salam. Open with me Surah Maryam. 
Surah Maryam, which is Surah number 19. Surah number 19. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah number 19, verse number... Verse number 31. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, And he, which means, and he has made me blessed wheresoever I be. Allah subhanahu, uh, Isa is praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for making him blessed wherever, wherever he is. So the author is asking you or is asking Allah for you that he makes you blessed wherever you may be. وَأَنْ يَجْعَلَكَ مِمَّنْ إِذَا أُعْطِيَ شَكَرَ وَإِذَا ابْتُلِيَ صَبَرَ وَإِذَا أَذْنَبَ اسْتَغْفَرَ And that he makes you of those who are when given who are grateful when given, patient when tested, seeking forgiveness when, when sinning. The author asks that you be, that you be those three, that you be grateful, patient, and asking forgiveness from, from Allah. How come the author has specified those three Mm. Who knows the answer? Who can give me an answer? Why those three? Why only those three now? Very good. Beautiful. Because every human being is in one of those three. You are either in a ni'mah, or in a test, or in a sin. Very good. It's a cycle of life. Either you are in a ni'mah, either in, you are... In a in a in a in a in a, in a musibah, a, a calamity, a trial, or you are in a sin. May Allah protect us. Wadah. So, what are you asked to do if you are in a ni'mah, bestowed upon with a ni'mah, that you are grateful? What should you do when you are in a trial? Be be patient. What should you do when you are in a sin? Ask forgiveness. Tawbah, ahsant. How to be grateful? Just because we don't have much time, I'm going to lay it down as points, insha'Allah. So insha'Allah, who, who didn't uh, hear, they didn't tell me. Being grateful. How is being grateful? Being grateful is with the heart and the tongue and the body parts. So number one, being grateful. The heart. Number two, the tongue. Number three, the body parts. How am I grateful with my heart? Is to believe. Uh, huh? Dhikr is by the tongue, akhi. Uh, unless you mean the, the remembrance, you're right. But the remembrance that what? Dhikr that what? Because dhikr means also the rem remembrance. Dhikr of what? The remembrance or the belief, to be more particular that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who bestowed upon you this ni'mah, none else. This is how to be grateful by your heart. Right? Secondly, being grateful by the tongue. How? Proclaim the grace of your Lord. Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted me with a baby boy. Or granted me a baby boy. This is speaking out the praise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out loud, proclaiming the grace of your Lord. Also, 
dhikr alhamdulillah alhamdulillah rabbil alamin the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam whenever given a ni'mah he used to say alhamdulillah alladhi bi ni'matihi tatimmu salihat alhamdulillah alladhi bi ni'matihi tatimmu salihat طيب by the body parts obedience beautiful worshiping allah is being grateful to allah how how is worshiping allah how is praying how is prostrating to allah being grateful to allah how huh how isn't this a ni'mah aren't these a ni'mah isn't the whole body a ni'mah so by putting your body in the right place you are being grateful to allah by putting this ni'mah where it should be placed this is being grateful to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so praying is being grateful to allah giving zakah is being grateful to allah for what allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you doing hajj is being grateful to allah why because this is all a ni'mah better yet giving you to salah is another ni'mah isn't it you being allowed to pray or you being guided to pray isn't this a ni'mah so it needs that ni'mah also needs thanking so can we ever thank allah how he should be thanked no because this salah is a ni'mah this salah needs a thanking and that thanking as well is a ni'mah so that thanking needs another thanking and it goes on and it never ends so that's why you know that entering paradise is by allah's mercy So don't be fooled by your acts. I prayed, I did this, I have to enter Jannah. No doubt. No. Because no matter what you do, you will never be able to thank Allah enough. No matter what you do, you'll not be able to thank Allah for one ni'mah which he has bestowed upon you. Just the eyesight, you'll never be able to thank Allah enough for it. So that leads you to know that We enter paradise by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enter us all into his paradise. Tayyip. So this is how to be grateful. Tayyip. وَأَنْ يَجْعَلَكَ مِمَّنْ إِذَا أُعْطِيَ شَكَرُ وَإِذَا بْتُلِيَ صَبَرُ And when, patient, when tested you are patient. People vary with patience. Some of them are not pleased with Allah's decree. Any patient uh, in trials. Some of them are not pleased. Some of them are tolerant. Some of them are hmm, pleased. Some of them are thankful to be in a trial. Those are the four levels of people with patience. So the first level is being displeased, displeasure. These are the levels of people with patience, with patience in trials. Number one, displeasure number two huh toleration number three huh pleasure number four thank you showing displeasure is also just as being grateful is by the heart tongue and body parts so is not being grateful showing displeasure showing displeasure is also by the heart and the tongue and the body parts uh, you see people yawning you 
So showing displeasure is by three, 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 three ways as well. The heart, showing displeasure by the heart or being displeased by your heart is how? Is by believing that Allah subhanahu, as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has oppressed you with this trial or with this calamity. It's having something in your heart against Allah. Being displeased is impermissible. This is the ruling of being displeased. But being displeased is by three ways, either by the heart or the tongue or the body parts. Being displeased by the heart is having something against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or against Allah's decree. Secondly, being displeased by the tongue is how? Complaint. Complaint. Yes, whining. It all falls under the category. Complaint. Showing complaint in what you suffer from. Oh, I suffer from this, I suffer from that, I suffer from this, I suffer from that, etc. Showing complaint. Impermissible. The third is being displeased by your body parts, limbs. How? Pulling the hair. Not something we see quite often, eh? Huh? Sorry? Very good. By not worshipping. Subhanallah. Because yeah, and it's, as if, it's as if you've given up on Allah's mercy, you're not worshipping. Very good. Barakallah uh, feek. What else? Pulling the hair. Yes? Naam? Huh? Committing sins. Tayyib. Barakallah feek. What else? Tearing the clothes. Beautiful. Huh? Yes, this is true. Hafizakumullah. Some even, there are some people today who, who are taking that as, a, as, a, as an act of worship. Tearing the clothes. Yes. Being displeased with Allah's uh, with Allah's decree. Na'udhu billahi min dhalik. Committing suicide. Very good. The second level of patience is tolerance. That means you are pleased with Allah's decree. Alhamdulillah. You have no displeasure towards Allah's decree. You are pleased. But you don't like what you're suffering from. Not liking what you are suffering from is not a sin. For your information. It's not a sin. Yani I am sick. Do I like the sickness? Do you like the sickness? No. But some people do. And this is a higher level. And I'll explain it inshallah. I don't like the sickness. I don't like what I, what I suffer. But I'm pleased that with Allah's decree, I have no objection. I believe that Allah has written that I suffer from such an illness or a disease. I am pleased with that. But I don't like what I am. What I am suffering from. This is the second level, level of tolerance. There is a higher level above that, which is pleasure. Being pleased with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written. Uh, from what you, with being pleased with what you are suffering from. Why? Because you know that what you suffer from is willed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is will by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is a level even above that, which is the level of being thankful when you are tested. How? How can I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for calamity? Because this calamity is in reality a gift from Allah. How is it a gift from Allah? Because this calamity 
results in four things. Four things. Or three, according to my memory. First thing, expiating of sins. It's a ni'mah from Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala strikes us with those calamities. Why? To expiate our sins. They expiate our sins. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَا يُصِيبُ الْمُسْلِمَ مِنْ الْمُؤْمِنَ مِنْ وَصَبٍ وَلَا نَصَبٍ وَلَا هَمٍ وَلَا حَزَنٍ حَتَّى الشَّوْكَ يُشَاكُهَا إِلَّا كَفَّرَ اللَّهُ بِهَا مِنْ خَطَايَهَا Meaning, not a calamity overcomes the mu'min, the believer, of مِنْ وَصَبٍ وَلَا نَصَبٍ of tiredness. Or pain, it's not, not an accurate uh, translation, but the meaning is no pain or tiredness. Nothing that you suffer from, even the thorn, even the thorn is but an expiating to your sins, of, of your sins. The thorn, just the thorn. Now, expiating our sins, isn't it a ni'mah from Allah? Huh? So, do we understand how being thankful for such a thing is correct? No. Well, this is number, number one. Number two is above it being expiating your sins, it also lifts you, or lifts you in grades. Because the people of Jannah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us all of them, are grades and levels, different levels, according to their levels in this dunya, levels of Iman. People different levels of Iman. Huh? Naam. Taqwa al-Iman. It's the same thing. They differ in the levels. So, the more you are obedient, the more you obtain taqwa, the more you will get tested. Not because Allah doesn't love you. No, because Allah loves you. It is because Allah loves you that He tests you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-Ankabut, in Surah Al-Ankabut, which is Surah number 29, verse number 2, do people think, which means, do people think that they will be left alone because they say, we believe and will not be tested? And we indeed tested those who were before them. And Allah will certainly make it known the truth of those who are true and will certainly make it known the falsehood of those who are liars. Who are liars. It's a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this test, this calamity lifts you in grades. That's why the Prophet wasallam used to experience double the illness that others do. The, 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 the companions of the Prophet wasallam asked him, is, is it because you get twice, time, twice the reward? He said, yes. So it's a lifting in grades. Also, that the reward you get for being uh, patient is uncountable. You cannot count the reward that you get out of, out of being patient. So those are three things that deserve to be thankful for. Well, the and when they fall into a sin, they seek Allah's forgiveness. Those three 
those three are the signs of happiness. Whoever you see, thankful when he is given, patient when he is tested, uh, seeking forgiveness when he sins, making tawbah, as the brother said, then this is a sign that he is a happy person. This is a happy person. You are looking at a happy person. Happy person, not necessarily financially, no, happy person inside. Happy person inside. He's happy. He is happy with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him, even if he hasn't given him anything of this dunya. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of them. Amen. And this patience, talking about the patience that we talk about that we talked about later, uh, earlier, this patience has to be has to have three things. The patience has to be, and they say in Arabic, Asabru Lillah, Asabru Fillah. And a sabru billah and a sabru ma'allah. Yani patience has to be for Allah and by Allah and with Allah. Three. What's the difference? Patience for Allah and for the sake of Allah. Not for the sake of getting a, a job or for the sake of any worldly benefit. No, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are patient because you believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward you for this patience. Secondly, the patience by Allah, meaning with the aid of Allah. Because you, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't decide that you are patient, you will never be patient. Didn't will that you are you, you will be patient, you will never be patient. This is secondly. Thirdly, the patience with Allah. Yani that you go accordingly to what Allah wants, not to what you want. Not to your own vain desires and whims. But you make yourself submissive to Allah's rules. You don't pray just because it suits you and don't fast because it not suits you. Or you don't, you don't do it the other way around. But you pray and fast because it is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. Understood? So this is the three, uh, you can say the three pillars of being patient. طيب. He says, اعلم أرشدك الله لطاعته أن الحليفية ملة إبراهيم أن تعبد الله وحده مخلصا له الدين No, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide you to his obedience that الحليفية الحليفية What is الحليفية? He says الحليفية ملة إبراهيم أن الحليفية ملة إبراهيم أن تعبد الله وحده مخلصا له الدين حليفية is the religion of Abraham is that you worship Allah, making the religion purely for him. Worshipping Allah alone is the religion of Abraham. Abraham only? Huh? All the prophets as we agreed. So why did the author specify this religion to Abraham? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Ibrahim an imam to those after him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered the people after Ibrahim to follow Ibrahim because Ibrahim was a great example. A great example in worshipping Allah alone and calling to it and uh, forbidding a shirk. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah An-Nahl, ثُمَّ أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ أَنِ اتَّبِعَ مِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ حَنِيفًا وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ In the very end of Surah An-Nahl. Surah An-Nahl, Surah number 16, verse number 120. إِنَّ إِبْرَاهِيمَ كَانَ أُمَّةً 
Verily, Ibrahim was an ummah, a leader, having all the good righteous qualities, or a nation. One man, a nation, but a nation. Obedient to Allah, Hanif, yani worshipping none but Allah. And he was not of those who were al-mushrikeen, polytheists, idolaters, disbelievers in the oneness of Allah, and those who joined partners with Allah. Then he said, in the verse 123, 123, 123, he said, Then we have sent the revelation to you, O Muhammad, follow the religion of Ibrahim. To worship none but Allah. And he was not of the mushrikeen. Understood? So why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refer this religion to Ibrahim? Because Ibrahim was made an imam, an example, a high example to those after him. Otherwise, it is a religion of all prophets. طيب. What is al-Hanifiyyah? Al-Hanifiyyah is taken from al-Hanaf. So al-Hanaf is the origin of al-Hanifiyyah. Al-Hanifiyyah is a reference to al-Hanaf. Yes, like al-Rubu'iyyah, wal-Uluhiyyah, wal-Anifiyyah. Hanafiyyah is from the word Al-Hanaf. What does Al-Hanaf mean? Al-Hanaf means tilting. Not up straight, tilting. Tilting. This is what Al-Hanaf means. And the person who is so, who is tilted away, is called Hanif. Hanif. This religion, the Prophet ﷺ called it Al-Hanifiyyah, Al-Samha, as in Sahih Al-Bukhari. Sahih Al-Bukhari. Forgive the reference. He said, أَحَبُّ الدِّينِ إِلَى اللَّهِ الْحَنِفِيَّةُ Samha. The best religion to Allah is the easy Hanifiyyah, meaning the religion. The religion is worshipping Allah alone. This is called Al-Hanifiyyah. Why is it called Al-Hanifiyyah? If we say Al-Hanifiyyah is a religion of Allah, this would result in it meaning the tilted religion. Isn't that so? Yes. So what does it mean when we say the tilted religion? We say the religion that is tilted away from a shirk, from polytheism. And it is moving, it is directed away from polytheism. Polytheism is on the other side. And Islam is going the other side. Understood? This is why it's called Al-Millah Al-Hanifiyyah. The religion the tilted religion, that means the religion is the, which is away from a shirk. And al-hanif, the person who is away from, from worshipping other than Allah. From worshipping other than Allah. This is, this is what al-hanifiyah means. Wadih. One might ask, how can you say so and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called it the straight path and you called it the tilted path? First of all, I did not call it the tilted path. It's the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Secondly, in itself is straight. But according to a shirk, it is tilted away from it. Yes? Something being tilted away from something doesn't necessarily mean it is tilted itself. And the proof is this pin. This pen. Is it straight or bent? It's straight. Now if I do this, it's still straight, but it's tilted away from this from that direction, yes? This is the answer. So this is Islam. And Islam is tilted away. Away from what? Away from worshipping other than Allah with Allah. Wadih. This is Al-Hanifiyyah. He said, know that Al-Hanifiyyah is the religion of Ibrahim. What is Al-Hanifiyyah? Al-Hanifiyyah is worshipping Allah alone. Making the religion purely for him. 
and the proof to this is the saying of Allah and have not created the jinn and mankind except to worship me alone to worship me alone he says اعلم أرشدك الله لطاعته أن الحنيفية ملة إبراهيم أن تعبد الله وحده مخلصا له الدين مخلصا 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 is taken from الإخلاص what is الإخلاص this is a very important issue الإخلاص means two things الإخلاص means two things this is highly important how to achieve إخلاص إخلاص means two things two things first of all الإخلاص is to achieve two things as we said before. Al-Ikhlas means At-Tawheed. It means worshipping Allah alone. Ikhlas is achieved by two things. Number one, directing the act of worship to only Allah. Number one. Number two, hmm? intending or Doing that act of worship only for Allah, for the sake of Allah. For the sake of Allah. Ikhlas is done by those two things. Don't you notice something? Is there a difference between the first and the second? Do you notice a difference between the first and the second? Huh? Huh? What did you say? Who? Very good. Who said it? Beautiful. First one is action. Second one is in intention. If I go to, if, uh, if someone goes to an idol and prostrates to it, it is said he directed his act of worship to other than Allah. He directed his act of worship to other than Allah. Directed the act, the act of worship. Person came and faced the Qibla, faced the Qibla and started praying. Who is he directing his act of worship to? Allah. Not everyone who directs his act of worship to Allah wants the face of Allah or does it for the sake of Allah. Do we agree? Because we can't say all the people that who are praying, who are directing their prayer to Allah, want the sake of Allah. Some of them don't. Some of them are praying to Allah with the intention of getting something else, getting a worldly benefit, for example or being praised by someone else. Yes? So, there's a difference between the first and the second. If I don't direct my worship to Allah and direct it to someone else, I haven't achieved ikhlas. If I directed my act of worship to Allah, it is also not enough to achieve ikhlas. Do you follow me, brothers and sisters? Along with directing my worship to Allah, I have to do another thing. I have to do another thing. What is that thing? My intention has to be in this worship, what? The sake of Allah. The sake of Allah. Whoever contradicted the first fell into the major polytheism. And he gets out of the circle of Islam. Whoever contradicted the second does not get out of the circle of Islam, but he is still committing shirk. But it's a minor shirk. It's a minor shirk. Is this understood? Everyone understand this? Fadal. Uh, 
Both. He has to do both. Uh huh. No, because you might, some people direct their worship to other than Allah, wanting the sake of Allah. Can you believe that? I'll give you an example. People of Nuh, didn't they direct their worship to other than Allah for the sake of Allah? Yes. They did a, a, a wrong act with a good intention, and we said the good intentions don't justify the bad actions. You get it? So both have to be, have, have to be present. If we don't uh, 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 do both of those, then we are falling into shirk. But, first of all, we have to understand what is shirk, then, and what is polytheism, then we have to understand that polytheism is not of one level. There are two parts or two kinds of polities. A shirk. A shirk, this is the definition, the scientific, specific, accurate definition of a shirk. A shirk is equaling other than Allah. With him, equaling other than Allah with him. Making them equal. But this is not enough. Equaling other than Allah with him in something exclusively his. Exclusively Allah's. Yani. Or something or in something only Allah could do. Only Allah could do. This is the shirk. And the proof that the shirk is equaling is in the Quran. Alhamdulillah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-An'am in Surah Al-An'am the very beginning, the very beginning of Surah Al-An'am which is Surah number 5 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Alhamdulillahi alladhi khalaqa as-samawati wal-arda wa ja'ala al-dhulumati wal-nur thumma alladhina kafaru bi-rabbihim ya'dilun Ya'dilun means equal It says in the Quran, if you may It says all praise and thanks are Allah's who alone created the heavens and the earth and originated the darkness and the light, yet those who disbelieve hold others as, help me out, equal with their Lord, equally, equally. And in another verse, Tallahi in kunna lafi dalalim mubeen idh nusawikum bi rabbil alameen. Tallahi in kunna lafi dalalim mubeen idh nusawikum bi rabbil alameen. By Allah, we were in a manifest error when we were making you equals to Allah. So shirk is equaling other than Allah with Allah. But it doesn't stop there. No. In something only Allah could do or in something exclusively Allah's. Do you hear what I say? Does Allah hear what I say? Have I made you equal to Allah? Yes. Yes, I have. Because I said that you hear, and I said that Allah hears. I will explain. 
Can I ask aid? Can I ask aid from you? Can I ask you to help me? I want to carry some luggage later on and I need your help. Yes. Can I ask Allah for help? Yes. Wait, asking help here. I gave it to Allah and I gave it to huh, other than Allah. The asking of help. Regardless what is asked, please pay, please pay attention. Regardless what is asked. Have I asked aid from Allah? Yes. Do I ask aid from Allah? Yes. Do I ask aid from other than Allah? Yes. Asking aid here is given to Allah and to other than Allah. Right? Is this an equaling? Yes, it is. It's an equaling. Why? Because the act of asking aid is given to both Allah and other than Allah. But it is not considered a shirk until it is in something that only Allah could do. Basically, to further understand or to better understand this uh, principle is to ask two questions. Okay. Is to, uh, to, is to answer or is to answer two questions. The first question, asking aid. The second one, asking aid in what? See the difference? The asking of aid itself. Uh, regardless what is asked. I have not said that. Asking aid itself. Is it given to Allah? Huh? Yes. Is it given to other than Allah? Yes. But it is not considered an act of shirk until it contains the second. Until we, until we answer, sorry, until we answer the second question. That means, if one was to ask you, for example, for example, if one was to say, for example, I, I came to a person, I said, brother, help me out. Help me. And he said to me, don't say that. That he said only to Allah. No, this is real. This happens. Such an ignorance exists. May Allah teach us all. Tayyip, that's only to be asked from Allah. You have made Allah equal to other than Him. Because Allah is the only one who said, Help me. Yani who only, the only one whom you say to help me. Understood? So what do you say to Him? You say to Him, No, it depends what I have asked. It depends what I have asked. If I asked something only Allah could do, here I am committing a shirk. It is not about making someone equal to Allah and it stops there. No. Shirk is making someone equal to Allah in something 
exclusively Allah's. It's something only Allah could do. Brother, help me be saved from the hellfire. What's the ruling of this uh, kind of uh, uh, request? Why? Because number one, let's do it by steps so we can understand this, what we have written on the board. Because number one, it is equaling other than Allah with Allah. Does it stop there? No. And adding to that, this equaling is in something only Allah could do. Understood? So the equaling itself, by itself, is not an act of shirk. Otherwise, you would say, don't ask anyone for help. Don't you dare. Wadah? Okay. So the equaling itself is not an act of shirk, no. It is an equaling, yes. But itself, by itself, is not an act of shirk until it contains the second. Until what is asked is something that only Allah could do. If someone says, Ya Rasulullah, Najini min al-nar. Oh, Messenger of Allah, rescue me from the hellfire. Huh? What do you think? Let's do it the same, same way. Same way. We'll do it by question and answer. Is other than Allah equaled to Allah? Yes. Why no? Why? Because when I'm saying, Ya Rasulullah, I'm calling upon someone. Najini. Najini means rescue me. Yes? Rescue me. The ask of rescue or seeking rescue, can, it, it is asked from Allah? Yes. Is, this, is it asked from other than Allah? Yes. Because if I don't know how to swim, I'll definitely say that. Sahih? Ya Fulan, rescue me. Because I don't know how to swim. Tayyip? But the second question we have to ask is what have you made or in what have you made other than Allah equal to Allah in what? Here you asked other than Allah to be saved from the hellfire. Who can, be, can save you from the hellfire? Only Allah. Anyone else? The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Yes or no? No. So if I ask the Prophet ﷺ such a question, uh, you like that? If I ask the Prophet ﷺ such a question or, or, or such a request, it would be an act of shirk. Not because I'm degrading the Prophet ﷺ, it is only because I have asked him that which he cannot do. Which he cannot do. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the Quran that he announces this to the people. I do not own to benefit myself, nor harm. To benefit myself. So if the Prophet was ordered to announce that he cannot benefit himself, let alone benefit others, then what about other than the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? What say you about other than the Prophet Understood? So this is a shirk. So what is a shirk? A shirk is equaling other than Allah with Allah. And I stop here. Right? Right? Wrong. Equaling other than Allah with Allah in something that only Allah could do or in something exclusively Allah's. In something exclusively Allah's.
Tay. Tay means good. Tay. A shirk is of two kinds. Shirk is of two kinds. There is the major shirk, and it's called the shirk al-akbar. And there is the minor shirk, which is called the shirk al-asghar. And the proof to this is the hadith narrated by Imam Ahmed by the authority of Mahmud ibn Labid. He said, the Prophet sallallahu said, the most I fear for you is the minor shirk, al-shirk al-asghar. Shirk al-asghar, the minor shirk. Saying the minor shirk means there is major shirk, self-evident. Means there is a major shirk. Otherwise, if, if the shirk was all at one level, there wouldn't be any minor or major. There wouldn't be a minor. So saying the minor shirk means there is a major shirk. Means there is a major shirk. What's the difference? Three differences. Three main differences between the major shirk and the minor shirk. The differences are the difference, the differences between the major and minor shirk. Shirk is polytheism. We'll say shirk from now on. We'll say shirk from now on, and you'll know it's polytheism. We'll use the Arabic, inshallah. shirk. Huh. The difference between the major and minor shirk is the major shirk, the major, the major, next time I'm bringing my laptop. The major is, the major gets you out uh, the major noun gets you out huh from Islam very good from Islam what's the proof huh noun noun that only proves that Allah does not forgive doesn't prove that you're out of Islam on a dalil, a proof specifying that the one who commits shirk, tafal. But raise your voice. That proves that your deeds are at loss. Doesn't prove that you're out of Islam. Naam? Qalu? Very good. But this makes one who says that Isa is Allah. But my question is a verse that says the one the one that one who equals other than Allah with Allah is out of the circle of Islam. Get my point? Naam? Huh? Dhulman Adim is a great oppression. Doesn't say it's out of, he's out of Islam. Allah has forbidden Jannah for him. Yes, it means in understanding that he is not a, uh, not a believer, but give me a precise dalil. Ah, ya akhwan. Surah Al-Mu'minun. Surah Al-Mu'minun. Surah Al-Mu'minun. Second last verse that we have read this very night. 
Surah Al-Mu'minun, Surah number 23, verse number 117. And whoever invokes, worships besides Allah, any other ilah of whom he has no proof, then his reckoning is only with his Lord. Surely, Al-Kafirun, the disbelievers in Allah and in the oneness of Allah will not be successful. So what has Allah called them? Al-Kafirun. So this means that he who worships other than Allah with him is out of the circle of Islam. So the major gets you out of the circle of Islam. The minor, being a minor, doesn't. Being a minor, doesn't. Wadah? Clear? Whoever did not understand, please, don't have shame in saying, I do not understand. We all said the same thing when we were learning. We do not understand, and the teacher clarified further for us. Don't be ashamed. With a brother or sister, say, I don't understand. Of? Of major shirk? Prostrating to, a, to an idol. As sujudul salam. Prostrating to an idol. Major shirk. Wadah? Minor shirk? When I explain minor shirk, you will better understand major shirk. Minor shirk. Right? No, that's a question. That's not fair. I said, if you didn't understand anything I said. Taib, I, will, I, will answer, I will answer that right now. Barakallahu feek. Taib, the minor, the major, sorry. The major makes you huh, dwell forever in the hellfire. Allah al-Musta'an. Allah al May Allah save us and protect us. The major makes you, of course, these uh, rulings are all understood in case of no repent. Otherwise, if you repent, all sins are forgiven, even a shirk. These uh, apply to the one who has died on such a major shirk. Understood? Otherwise, who repented? has repented. Allah will forgive whoever repents. Okay? The major makes you dwell forever in the hellfire. What's the proof to this? You just said it. Ah. And you just said it as well. Ah. Give me a proof that the one who worships other than Allah, who does a major shirk, will dwell forever in the hellfire. إِنَّهُ مَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ الْجَنَّةِ This is in Surah Al-Ma'idah. In the verse the brother mentioned a while ago. Surah Al-Ma'idah. لَقَدْ كَفَرَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْمَسِيحُ بُنُ مَرْيَمُ وَقَالَ الْمَسِيحُ يَا بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ أُعْبُدُ اللَّهَ رَبِّي وَرَبَّكُمْ إِنَّهُ مَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ الْجَنَّةَ وَمَأْوَاهُ النَّارِ وَمَا لِلظَّالِمِينَ مِنْ أَنصَارِ وَمَا لِلظَّالِمِينَ مِنْ أَنصَارِ This is in Surah number 5, verse number 72. Surely they have disbelieved who say Allah is the Messiah. But the Messiah said, O children of Israel, worship Allah 
my Lord and your Lord, really whosoever sets up partners in worship with Allah, then Allah has forbidden paradise to him, and the fire will be his abode. Clear? Clear. So this is the second danger. You can call them the dangers of shirk. The second danger of shirk that it makes you dwell forever in the hellfire. Three, it negates all of your deeds, meaning the major. The major negates all of your deeds, all of your deeds. All of your deeds will be of no use to you if you commit the major shirk. The proof to that, many verses of the Qur'an. Huh. Huh. Uh, Nabil, you said it. Say it again. لَإِنْ أَشْرَكْتَ أحسنت. Which surah is this? Surah Al-Zumar. Which verse? Verse? MashaAllah. MashaAllah. Right, let's open together Surah Al-Zumar. Verse number 65. Mm. And indeed, it has been revealed to you, O Muhammad, as it was to those before you, if you, subhanAllah, look who the speech is directed to. Will the Prophet commit shirk? No. But this is a teaching to his ummah, that even if he would, and he will never, and he, would, and he did, didn't ever. But if he would too, see, if you join others in worship with Allah, then surely all your deeds will be in vain. And you will certainly be among the losers. SubhanAllah. So, brothers and sisters in Islam, this sin which gets you out of the circle of Islam and makes you dwell forever in the hellfire and negates all of your deeds. Isn't it the most important thing to learn? No. If I want to know a sin, it would be this before any other sin. Before any other sin. Other sins, some sins, uh, 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 most other sins, don't get you out of the circle of Islam. Don't make you dwell forever in the hellfire. If you commit adultery, you will, not dwell, you will not dwell forever in the hellfire. If you drink alcohol, you will not dwell forever in the hellfire. If you practice sexual intercourse, even with your relatives, you will not dwell forever in the hellfire. Because it is only a major sin. But if you worship other than Allah, then you will dwell forever in the hellfire. If you commit an act of polytheism. What are the acts of polytheism? I don't know. Can we say that in the Day of Judgment? No. Allah will say, why haven't you learned? What answer do we have in front of Allah? No answer. So this is the most important thing to learn. Because this is learning your shahada. Shahada la ilaha illallah. Because la ilaha illallah, what does it mean? 
Huh? Worshipping Allah alone and avoiding worshipping other than Allah. What are the forms of worshipping other than Allah? Allahu Alam. We have to know. This is the first thing we have to know. The major negates all of your deeds, all of your deeds, without any exception. Another, another verse, another verse, Surat Ibrahim, Surat Ibrahim, Surat Ibrahim, which is Surah number 14. Surah number 14, see, the, uh, verse number 18, the parable of those who disbelieved in their Lord is that their works are as ashes on which the wind blows furiously on a stormy day. They shall not be able to get aught of, of what they have earned. That is the straying far away from the right path. Far away from the right path. So the major shirk negates all of your deeds. Where the minor negates only the deed it fell in. The deed it fell in. Okay, you might say, what are the examples of minor shirk? Minor shirk is praying for the sake of getting praised. Is it a major shirk? Huh? Why isn't it a major shirk? You answer me. You're the one who said the minor shirk. Gotcha. Huh? Why isn't it a major shirk? Huh? Yes, but according to what we, according to the principles that we have laid down now, why isn't it a minor shirk? Naam? Very good. When does it become a major shirk? Uh, if I direct my prayer to other than Allah. But here I directed my prayer to Allah, but the intention was other than Allah's sake. Uh, clear? Clear? Wadih? So the minor shirk, why was it minor? Because it was a partial polytheism. It was a shirk only in intention. It wasn't a full equaling. Understood? It's an equaling only in intention. That means not the full act of worship was given to Allah, but only the intention behind it. Is it clear? Anyone not clear on this? So when it's a partial uh, equaling, it's a minor shirk. Clear. And if it's a full equaling, it's a major shirk. It's a major shirk. So the minor shirk negates that deed which it fell in. So that means if someone would pray to Allah, and he direct his prayer to Allah, but for the sake of some of other than Allah, then his prayer would be negated. But he doesn't have to uh, repeat it. He doesn't have to repeat it. Because he has brought the prayer. If he prayed correctly, he doesn't have to bust. He doesn't get any reward for that prayer. But does he have to pray again? No. Is this clear? So this is the differences between the major and the minor. The differences between the major and the minor shirk. He said, now let's see this word, 
in the, in the, in the quote of the author. See what he said. He said, when you acknowledged that Allah has created you for his worship, according to the verse in Surah Al-Dhariyat, which is Surah number 51, verse number 56, when you acknowledge that Allah has created you for his worship, then know that worship is not regarded as such unless it is accompanied by Tawheed. No act of worship is called an act of worship by Allah unless it is based on Tawheed, yani worshipping Allah alone. Otherwise, it's not called an act of worship to Allah. You might call it an act of worship, fine. But to Allah, he doesn't call it an act of worship. He, he calls it an act, of, an act of polytheism. Why? Because the act which, which Allah calls an act of worship is that act which is based upon a, the, the correct belief, which is the belief that only Allah, only Allah has the right to be worshipped. Otherwise, if the belief was corrupted, so will the actions. Understood? He says, when you acknowledge that Allah created you for his worship after what he has said, then know that worship is not regarded as such unless it is accompanied by Tawheed. Just as prayer is not regarded as prayer unless it is accompanied by purification. If you pray without wudu, without wudu, is your prayer called a prayer? No. It's not even called prayer. It's called an act of play. Why? Because there's no wudu. And wudu is the thing that validates the prayer. So without the wudu, the prayer is not even valid. And if the prayer is not valid, it's not called a prayer. It's called an act of play. Wadih. Wadih. Wadih means is it clear? Forgive me. <laughs> so the, just as prayer is not called an act of prayer without purification, worship is not called an act of worship without a tawheed. So when shirk enters into worship, it corrupts it. As we said, it uh, negates all of your deeds. Huh? It corrupts it. Just like the impurity invalidates purification. If you, are, if you uh, did wudu and you release some air, what happens to your wudu? Invalid. Just as that. So when you recognize that if shirk enters into a worship, it corrupts it. Number one, negates all the actions and the one who does it is eternally in the hellfire, those dangers that we have mentioned, mm -hmm. then you will realize the most important matter obligatory upon you. True? Recognition of this fact in order that Allah may save you from the abyss of committing shirk with him about which he, the Most High, said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَيُّ شَرَكَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمِي يَشَاءَ وَمَنْ يُشْرِكَ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ ضَلَّ بَلَانًا بَعِيدًا Verily, Allah forgives not that partners should be set up with him in worship, but he forgives except that anything else to whom he pleases. And this knowledge comprises of four principles which Allah, the Most High, has mentioned in his book. The first principle is that you know the kuffar that the kuffar, correct it. And ta'lama anna al-kuffar, that you know that the kuffar. 
that the kuffar whom the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam fought used to affirm that Allah the most high was the creator and the disposer of all the affairs but they did not enter them it, it did not enter them into islam that belief in Allah's lordship did not enter them into islam as we clarified before and this here the shaykh is clarifying a principle to answer a question or to 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 answer a doubt right? Because you might see someone worshipping other than Allah and he does not consider that as worshipping other than Allah. And you might come to him and say, you're worshipping other than Allah, you're committing shirk. He might answer you saying, no, I believe that Allah is my only creator, my only provider, the only one who disposes my affair, so I'm not doing shirk. Understood? He believes that doing shirk is believing in what? In another creator besides Allah. In another provider besides Allah. Yes, that is an act of shirk, but that is not the only act of shirk. Understood, brothers and sisters? Whoever does not understand, please. Tayyip. So, how to answer him if he tells you that? If he tells you... No, alhamdulillah, I believe that Allah is the only one who created me, the only one who provides me, the only one who disposes of my affairs. How do you answer him? Answer him with this principle. What do you say? You say, the disbelievers of Mecca, they believe the same thing as well. They believe that Allah is the only creator. They believe that Allah is the only provider. They believe that Allah is the only one who disposes of their affairs. But still, that belief did not... Enter them into Islam. Were they taken as Muslims? No. Why? Because they were worshipping other than Allah. Then he says, and the proof to this, every point there's a proof. Because the, uh, the author only mentions Al-Kitab Al-Sunnah. It's Kitab. Quran. Fakhat. What does he say? He says, and the proof to this is Allah's saying, the Most High, which means... We'll skip, to the, we'll skip the Arabic. Say, who provides you from the sky and from the earth? We read it before. This verse. Or who owns hearing and sight? And who brings out the living from the dead? And brings out the dead from the living? And who disposes the affairs? They will say, Allah. Say, will you not be afraid of Allah's punishment for setting up rivals in worship with Allah? That means that believing in Allah's lordship, is it enough to enter Islam? Is it enough to be called as a believer? No, it has to be the other type of belief that we mentioned earlier. Okay. Now, after you said that to him, to the one who's worshipping other than Allah, you told him, this is shirk, fear Allah. And he told you that, and you answered him with this. What, what will he tell you? He will tell you the second principle. Let's read it together. He will say what is said in the second principle. The second principle, they... Say, they, who's they, whom the author is referring to? Mushrikeen. What they will say? They will say, we do not call upon them. Here it was uh, written as an interpretation of the verse. It's wrong. Correct it. We do not call upon them. Toward them. Yeah. It's all written in bold. So don't think that this is all the interpretation of the verse. I'll tell you when it starts. It's, he says... We do not, he says, they say, they, the polytheists, the people who worship other than Allah, they will say, we do not call upon 
and turn towards them except to seek nearness and intercession. So what is this? This is a justification. This is an excuse. What excuses do the mushrikeen give? Two excuses. One, either seeking knowledge to Allah. Secondly, seeking intercession. And I explained this in the shirk of the people of Nuh. Very good. You haven't traveled away. Very good. Nuh. Wadah. Intercession. Then he said, so he might say, he will say the same thing. He will say, I only turn towards them seeking nearness to Allah because they are pious men and I am not worthy of asking Allah directly. Remember? People of Nuh. So I have to ask the pious man because he's closer to Allah. He can ask for me. Or I can get he can get it from Allah from Allah for me. Seeking nearness to Allah. Intercession. Intercession is clear. We have clarified it before. So those are the two. They think, first of all, they think that worshipping other than Allah gets them close to Allah. They think that worshipping other than Allah gets them close to Allah. This is seeking nearness. Secondly, they think that those people whom they call upon are their intercessors to Allah in worship. In worship. So those are two excuses. Fadl. Naam. The people of Noah. Yeah, you mean seeking intercession and seeking nearness to Allah? Is if someone asks for help? What uh, what did we say in the definition of shirk? You remember? equaling other than Allah with Allah huh? in something only Allah could do. So if I ask, dear brother, if I ask other than Allah something only Allah can, can do, this is major shirk. Huh? If, if that's something which is asked other than Allah can do until God like what? If God does not permit you? Are you asking any Anything? Anything on your own? Uh huh. Without the will of God? No, of course not. No, of course. Anything that you do is with the will of Allah. Anything that you do is with the will of Allah. Maybe I didn't uh, understand your question. 
Yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, I understand your question now. Let's say, for example, I, uh, let's say someone asks provision from other than Allah. I understand your question. Okay, so he asks, from, he asks other than Allah, oh, so-and-so grant me an offspring, children. Now, that cannot happen, as you said, except by the will of Allah, right? But Allah has said to us that He alone can do that. Understood? Just now, we mentioned the verse. Say, who provides you from the heaven and from the earth? And they will say, Allah. That means the only one who can provide is Allah. Understood? Is it clear? Huh? Is it clear? The one who asked? Confused? Okay. Now. Uh -huh. Yes. Now. Yes, these are the means and reasons. These are the means and reasons. Yani he is asking something which the person has. If I ask you, can you give me 200 dirhams and you happen to have 200 dirhams, and you give it to me, he, I ask you something that you can do. But for if I ask someone else to grant me a baby boy, huh? what do you think? Can other then Allah grant me a baby boy? Huh? No. So who am I who can I ask that from? Only Allah. Because only Allah can do it. Wadih? No. Yes. No? Uh huh. Save lives. Yeah, they don't mean save lives, literally. They mean be a reason to save a life by doing means and reasons which you can. No, 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 no. It's not. And it's like saying, uh, uh, for example, uh, end poverty. End poverty. Doesn't mean that yani, say to poverty, end and it shall end. No. It means do the means and reasons, donate so you can end poverty. So if it is meant doing the means and reasons, then that is not considered shaykh because that is considered within your ability. But asking something that only Allah can provide at that moment, this is something that only Allah can do. It will come now. Now we're speaking about it. But it is clear, Habibi? It's clear? Tayyip. If it's means and reasons, then that you can do. But the things that you cannot do, things that you don't own to do. Yani, for example, if I ask someone something and I know that he cannot do it, I know that only Allah could do it, here this is a major shirk. For example, 
I know that this person, for example, can't, for example, move me to another destination. Can you, for example, can you put me in America now? That question. Now, can you do that? No. Who can do that? Only Allah. So if I ask such a thing, from other than Allah, I am asking something that only Allah could do. From other than Allah. This becomes shirk. Otherwise, if there are things that are within your ability, which you can do, then this is not considered shirk in the first place. Because this is considered of the lawful things that you can ask for. Wadih? No. Clear your, uh, clear your pain. Clear your? teaching you some invocations? Uh huh. Oh, clear your pain. Yeah, this is, this is right. There are certain invocations to clear your pain. See someone while he's actually not there. Yeah, he hallucinates. Uh-huh. So here, uh, would that be a major sin? Because he's followed uh, the, the person on the, uh, the visual told him that I will cure your uh, your uh, health problem. Uh-huh. It depends. If it is something that does not contain shirk, that does not contain asking Allah what only He can do, then it is okay if it was a lawful dua. Like for example, if he saw someone saying to him, and this is saying if such a thing happened. If he says, someone told him to say, for example, say Allahumma shfini. If it is a lawful dua and does not contradict anything of the sharia, then he can say it just as long as it's lawful. Understood? Otherwise, if it contains something contradicting sharia, then it will be the shaitan who had appeared to him. Because shaitan takes the form of, uh, takes forms and orders some people sometimes to say things that contain disbelief. Understood? I've answered your question, although this is not a, Asking of clarifica clarification. Don't take me wrong, brothers and sisters. Yani, I allow people to ask further clarification to what I have to what I have uh, instructed. 
but not uh, additional questions will be, there'll be a special time for that. And we have uh, reached or exceeded the time limit. We can do one of two things. We can go on, continue, and we are left with two more principles of this book. We can continue if you wish. I have no problem staying here until we finish the book. And if you decide, we will continue in the coming Jum'ah. Whatever you decide, whatever the majority decides. If you wish, we could continue. So who's up for continuing? Naam? Without questions, very good. Without uh, Tayyip. Who is, yes, please. Who is with, with continuing? Sorry, who is with delaying it to the coming Jummah? I think the majority is khair, inshallah. So we take time for questions. Yes. Ending with this conclusion. Fadhan. Ending with this conclusion. So what are the two, this we will explain in the coming Jummah. What are the two uh, uh, excuses of the mushrikeen? Huh. Seeking nearness and seeking intercession. Just for now, we will see what is Allah's answer. We will just mention two verses and we will end it at that. Excuse me. What has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about seeking nearness? Tayyib, he said, And those who take awliya besides him say, We worship them only that they may bring us near to Allah. This is what they say. This is their justification. Tayyib, this is their excuse. Listen to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, answering that. He said, verily, Allah will judge between them concerning that wherein they differ. Truly, Allah guides not him who is a liar and a disbeliever. Surah Az-Zumar, Surah number 39, verse number 3. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called the person who worships other than him with this excuse, what did he call him? Liar, disbeliever. Liar in what? Liar in that worshipping other than him gets him near to Allah. Understood? Yani, if someone would say, I worship other than Allah, so he can get me near to Allah, close to Allah, that is a lie. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said so. Secondly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave her another ruling. What is it? A liar and a disbeliever. So he called he who worships other than Allah, even with the excuse of seeking nearness, is a disbeliever. This is what concerns seeking nearness to Allah. Secondly, seeking intercession. What has Allah said about that? He said, and they worship besides Allah things that hurt them not, nor, nor profit them. And they say, these are our intercessors to Allah, or with Allah. Let's continue the verse. So this is in Surah Yunus, which is Surah number 10, verse number 18. Verse number 18. See. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And they worship besides Allah things that harm them not, nor profit them. And they say, these are our intercessors with Allah. 
What did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? He said, which means, say, do you inform Allah of that which he knows not in the heavens and on the earth? Glorified and exalted is he above all. Glorified and exalted is he above all that which they associate as partners with him. What does that mean? That means seeking intercession to Allah is of seeking partners with him. See? First of all, he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, Do you inform Allah of that which he knows not in the heavens and on the earth? That which Allah knows not is that which does not exist. Because everything that is in the heaven and the earth, Allah knows. So if he says, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he, is, he, knows, he knows not of such a thing in the heavens and the earth, that means such a thing does not exist. What does not exist? Seeking uh, intercession to Allah is something that, that Allah does not know. Something that is not there. Something that is not correct. There's no such thing as seeking intercession to Allah in worship. Do you inform Allah of that which he knows not in the heavens and on the earth? Glorified and exalted is he above all they associate as partners with him. He called that associating partners with Allah. Seeking intercession to Allah. So this is what Allah answered. And we will continue this uh, principle inshallah in the coming Jum'ah. And uh, I thank you all for listening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tfadal. Naam. In the Quran, seeking nearness to Allah. Seeking nearness to Allah is Zumar. 39, Surah number 39, verse number 3. Verse number 3. Uh, so you want to give the time for questions, inshallah? Hmm? No, they don't want to continue. The majority, we go with the majority, inshallah. We'll continue, inshallah. We're on schedule, inshallah. If we do not have time enough for the three principles, We'll just uh, do the four principles and Tafsir Surah Al-Fatiha and the 10 X nullifying Islam. Alhamdulillah, that is enough, inshaAllah. Naam. So we'll take the questions, inshaAllah. Naam. Go ahead and... Naam. No need to write. Are we going to do the questions off the Q&A slip? So please hand the Q&A slip to the volunteers. And we're not going to take any vocal questions. Uh, regarding the statement, Allah loves you, that's why He's testing you. Mm -hmm. How do we know whether Allah is testing us or punishing us for our past sins. If you, if you, if you are, are, are patient, then that is a sign that Allah loves you. If you are patient. Otherwise, if you're not, if you're displeased, then that's the contrary. Understand? So if you are tested and you are patient and you do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what you are told from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this is a sign. This is a sign. But we can, nobody can say that Allah loves you, certainly. This is just a sign. And all we can do is hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves us by putting us in such trials. All we can do is hope. Now. Sometimes when guests come, our house is not clean and we clean it for their sake. Can we call this minor shirk? <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
No, it is not minor shirk. If in response to queries about your health, you tell people about. But it's better. It's better to have the niyyah of cleaning the house to put happiness in the heart of your brother Muslim for the sake of Allah. Understand? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward you if you do that for the sake of making a Muslim happy to see such a, such a clean house, then that is something that is pleasing to Allah. So, if you do it, cleaning the house is not an act of worship, first of all. Therefore, there's no giving an act of worship to other than Allah. It is something that is uh, permissible, cleaning the house, permissible. So if you give it to other than Allah, you're not committing shirk, but you won't get a reward. But if you want to get a reward, do it for the sake of Allah, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught us through his prophet that, uh, uh, that uh, uh, it is pleasing to Allah to enter happiness into the heart of your brother Muslim. Questions are open. The rest of the night. Stay here until all questions are answered. I mean, I will stay here until questions are answered. Sorry. You tell people about your illness or your pains, will that be counted as displeasure? Depends. If you tell it to a doctor, it will not be counted as displeasure because you are seeking means of uh, <coughs> uh, treatment. Here, you need to ask or you need to uh, mention your illness or what you suffer from. So if there is a need to, then it is not considered of being ungrateful to Allah. But if there's no need to, then it is better not to because doing so uh, can be taken against you as uh, an act of displeasure. Now, If we have committed sins in the past, do we get any sign from Allah that He has forgiven us in our lifetime? Probably, probably uh, doing the contrary. Doing the contrary. Being a good Muslim, this could be a sign. No. Please repeat what Wahyul Risala is. Wahyul Risala is the revelation that is restricted to sending. A prophet to a particular group of people. No. As you said, the Sunnah is alive, but why do we have different madhahib and sects? What should we actually follow? No. The different uh, sects and different madhahib, first of all, a madhahib is what the scholar chose as a saying what the scholar chose as a saying. And this is not considered of the uh, dispraised uh, difference in Islam. Okay? Because people vary in that type of understanding. Otherwise, uh, uh, as for the sects, this is all according to the ignorance and knowledge someone has. So the more knowledgeable he is, the more he will be close to the truth. And the less the more he will be further away from the truth. Now, so, but 
the thing we should follow is the Quran and the Sunnah and the right understanding of the Quran and the Sunnah which the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gave to his companions and his companions gave to the people after them and the people after them gave to the people after them and so on. The scholars are the inheritors not only of the revelation which was sent down to Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam but also the understanding, the correct understanding. Because Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala said in <coughs> Surah Al-Tawbah which is uh, Surah number 9 Verse number 100, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَالسَّابِقُونَ الْأَوَّلُونَ مِنْ الْمُهَجِرِينَ وَالْأَنصَارِ وَالَّذِينَ اتَّبَعُهُمْ بِإِحْسَارِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ وَعَنْهُمْ مَرَضُوا عَنْهُ And the foremost to embrace Islam of the Muhajireen. The Muhajireen are those who migrated from Mecca to Medina. And the Asar are those who received them. And those Muhajireen plus Ansar equals Al-Sahaba. Very good. Al-Sahaba. Those and whoever followed them exactly, whoever followed them exactly, Allah will be pleased with them. Allah will be pleased with them. Because this, is, this question is a very important question. Because some people say that everyone says, I follow the Quran and Sunnah. Right? This man says, no, the Qur'an means this and the Sunnah means that. And that person says, no, 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 it means this and it means that. So where do we, where do we go? We say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not only ordered us to follow the Qur'an and the Sunnah, but He also restricted us to a certain understanding, which is the correct understanding of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. What is the correct understanding of the Qur'an and the Sunnah? The correct understanding is the understanding of the Sahaba. And the people who followed them. By the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What did he say? Those who follow them exactly, who follow the Sahaba exactly, Allah is pleased with them. Allah is pleased with them. That means if you follow the Sahaba exactly, then Allah is pleased with you. Then you are not one of those sects that have deserved to enter the hellfire. You are of the saved sects. And if you do not uh, follow them, then you are not. And if you follow them in something and not follow them in something else, then Allah is partially pleased with you and you might get punished for not following them in that which you do, what you do not follow them in. Tfadl. Now, uh, Surah At-Tawbah, verse number 100. Bismillah. Can you please explain the difference between a, the pro, between a prophet and a messenger once again? No. The prophet both receive revelation. Prophet and messenger. They receive revelation from Allah. <clears throat> they receive revelation from Allah. But when Allah sends a certain prophet to a certain group of people, whereas if they follow, they will be saved from punishment. And if they disobey, they will be punished. He becomes a messenger. Understand? Who asked? Understand or shall I repeat? Repeat? Repeat. Both Prophet and Messenger, they receive revelation from Allah. Allah reveals to them. Brother, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to a Prophet, go to those people and warn them against, against the, so and so and give them glad, glad tidings if they, if they obey me. To a certain group of people, then this Prophet becomes a Messenger. Yani a Prophet with a message. A Prophet with a message. 
واضح؟ آدم was he sent to a certain group of people؟ واضح؟ نوح was he sent to a certain group of people؟ Adam is a prophet, Nuh is a messenger, and prophet as well. Adam is a prophet, Nuh is a prophet and messenger. Understood? This is a difference. Now, now, what's the point of a prophet? It could be the successor, successor of a previous, like the children, like the Asbat, children of Yaqub, successors. Now. Naam? Uh, 300 and something. It's mentioned in the hadith, but I don't remember. But it's around 300s. Naam? 300s were among the prophets. But the prophets are much more. Naam? Are all prophets and messengers the same? I mean, equal in rank? Or are they different ranks? And if there are different ranks, doesn't this... Uh, have a contradiction with the verse in Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah Al-Baqarah, where it says we make no distinction between any of the messengers. No, no, the being different in ranks doesn't necessarily mean you are differentiating between them. Differentiating between them, not believing in one and disbelieving in another, that's differentiating between them as the continuing of the verse said. وَمَنْ يَكْفُرْ بِاللَّهِ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يكفرون بالله ورسله ويريدون أن يفرقوا بين الله ورسله ويقولون نؤمن ببعض ونكفر ببعض. See, they want to differentiate between Allah and His messengers, and they say we believe in a messenger and we don't believe in another messenger. This is what is meant. But uh, being the prophets and messengers, being of different levels, does not necessarily mean that the one who is uh, less better is is uh, deficient. واضح. So they are all messengers and prophets of Allah, but they vary. They vary. No. They vary in rank. No. Varying in rank doesn't necessarily mean that they are, uh, يعني, that they are uh, dispraised. No. No. Regarding the statement, again, that Allah guides whom He wills and He misguides whom He wills. No. Can you please clarify how Allah misguides a person, i.e. how is it? Uh, no. This goes back to the person himself. طيب? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-Kahf, وَقُلِ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ فَمَنْ شَاءَ فَلْيُؤْمِنْ وَمَنْ شَاءَ فَلْيَكْفُرُ In Surah Al-Kahf. Say the truth is from your Lord. Whoever wishes, believes, and whoever wishes, doesn't believe. So this verse means that Allah has given us our own will to choose by. Our own free will. He is given us a will. Now, what Allah willed for you that you be a disbeliever or a believer, do you know that? Do you know that Allah, if Allah chose for you to be in heaven or hell? Anybody know? What do you know? I know that if I do good, I will be if I do bad, I will be. So let's act upon what we know, shall we? Yeah. Simple as that. Allah gave us our own free will to choose by. If it was said to you, you have two ways in front of you. If you go this way, two ways that lead to the same destination. 
This way is full of dangers. This way is free of dangers. Can I take the way that's full of danger and say, if Allah wills? Huh? Can I? But if Allah wills, I won't go, fall into the dangers. Can I? No. So Allah showed us the straight path. Allah didn't neglect us and left us just like that. No, He showed us the straight path. He told us, if you do this, you get that. If you do this, you get that. And the ending, we do not know. So we only act upon what we know. And Allah do, does what He wills, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because everything has its means and reasons. Everything has its means and reasons. So, one cannot say, whether Allah wants, I will get a baby. Whether I practice sexual intercourse with my wife or no. I will get a baby, I will get a baby. Can he? No, because everything has, means, has its means and reasons. That's why the poet says, أَلَمْ تَرَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ قَالَ لِمَرْيَمَ وَهُزِّي إِلَيْكِ الْجِذْعَ يَسَّاقَةِ الرُّطَبِ وَلَوْ شَاءَ أَنْ تَجْنِيَهُ مِنْ غَيْرِ هَزِّهِ جَنَتْهُ وَلَكِنْ كُلُّ شَيْءٍ لَهُ سَبَبٍ You see, haven't, the, the poetry means, haven't you seen or haven't you heard that Allah said, no, haven't you heard Allah saying to Maryam, shake the palm tree and the dates will fall? If Allah had willed that she take the dates without, them, without uh, her shaking the tree, she would have, Allah would have. But to clarify that everything has its means and reasons. Father? No, Father. Bismillah. No. No, no, no. I said if you repent. I didn't say if you ask forgiveness. I said if you repent. Repent. What does repent mean? Repent means going back from Allah's disobedience to Allah's obedience. That means leaving what you do, what bad things you do. Repenting meanings, uh, means uh, leaving that which is a sin and going back to Allah's obedience. If you do that, all your sins are forgiven. Because, not because I say so, because the Prophet says so. And because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said so, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the kuffar, Say to the, to the disbelievers, if you stop, what has passed shall be forgiven. May Allah forgive us all. Now, tafadhan. Bismillah. Visiting shrines or visiting graves also a form of shirk? Visiting graves? No, it's not a form of shirk. But it depends what you do with the grave. Tawdhan. Naam, Yes. Naam? He does bid'ah and he dies? He's just, just like every other sinner. He, Allah might uh, forgive him or he might punish him for his bid'ah. But the end... If this bid'ah does not get him out of the circle of Islam, then his end would be the Jannah. Just as long, 
دقيقة just as long as he's a Muslim just as long as he's a Muslim if he does a bid'ah but he still has the has he is still a believer then his end certainly will be al-jannah but it depends what that bid'ah is it could be a bid'ah that gets him out of the circle of islam if it, is, it does not get him out of the circle of islam then he is threatened by the hellfire that means that he might enter the hellfire or allah might decide to forgive him and enter him straight into jannah no Somebody asked for a baby. Somebody asked for a baby. Somebody asked for a baby. Somebody asked for a can he make dua? Then you ask him something he can do. Understand? If I come to you and say... Uh, sorry, we're getting a little out of hand. Ask, ask the question, that's why. The Sheikh can answer, but let's not have any follow-up. Yeah, yeah, just one question at a time, inshallah. If you ask a person, can you make dua for me? You didn't ask him, give me a baby. He said, please make dua for me that Allah grants me a baby. There's nothing wrong with that. But it is, it is not preferred. Why? Because as long as you can ask yourself, it contradicts the, the, the uh, perfection of your reliance on Allah to ask someone else. It contradicts it. If you want something, better do it yourself. If you, hold on, let me finish. Yeah. Don't worry, I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> if I was flying away, it would be something else. So if you, if you leave it, it is better for you. Why? Because it perfects your reliance upon Allah that you do things yourself and not ask others. But if you do it, it is a, you can do it. It's not a sin. Fadda. Fadda. But he goes, come, on, come again. A dead pious person. And he goes to the grave. this is verse in the Quran. What does it say? If you call upon them, they will not hear your dua. Why? Dead. Let me ask you a question. If two people were talking to you at the same time, can you differentiate between, between them? Can you pick up what each person is saying? The answer. Answer. Two people speaking to you at the same time, same time. Can you pick up? Yes? No. Three? Four? Of course not. This is if you're alive. This is if you're alive. What about if you're dead? It's worse, right? 
I'll tell you, I'll give you a very important, a very, very benef beneficial point. Everyone who worships other than Allah has to have a deficiency in his belief in Allah's Lordship. How? Let's say there's a dead man. May Allah protect us. Let's say there's a dead man and all of us are asking him. Dead pious man, big pious man. All of us are asking him at the same time. This asking of this dead man in the same time contains a belief. It contains the belief that this man is able to listen to each call independently. You agree? Yes. Although he is dead. Such a hearing, can it be referred to other than Allah or only to Allah? So you, this calling of him contains believing that he can hear just like Allah hears. This is number one, it's not, it's not over yet. It's a lot more dangerous than that. If all of us ask him at the same time, all of us have different needs. And one asks for a baby, one asks for a ship, one asks for a job, one asks for a building. You can go on. May Allah protect us. If you ask him at the same time, this contains, you are seeing, you know, you are not the only one asking. You see 99 more people asking at the same time. So this would contain a belief that Allah, that he is able to give each one his need at once. Who can do that? Otherwise, uh, إِنَّمَا أَمْرُهُ إِذَا أَرَادَ شَيْئًا أَنْ يَقُولَ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونَ If you do that with a wali, then you believe that he has the right to say كُنْ فَيَكُونَ Understand? So, the, this quality, which is doing something without means and reasons, is, is exclusively Allah's. That means, logically speaking, that means if I come to a grave and say, Oh, Wali, can you give me a glass of water? Just for example. That means for, for this to happen, to actually happen, he would have to get out of his grave and go get a glass and go to the refrigerator and get some water and pour it and come and give it to me. Yes? But since he cannot do that because he's dead, if only people understand, he's dead. Me believing that he could do that without even moving from his grave, this is believing that he has something that only Allah can do. Wadih? Understand? Alhamdulillah. Okay, so this will be the last no, 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 it's open. I have the right to, uh, to go to midnight, no problem. I'm here. Whoever wants to leave can leave. But whoever has a question can ask. Uh-huh. I do not remember. Sorry. Naam? Fatir, Jazakallah khairan.
فاطر نعم 40 1 4 ثانك يو فيري ماتش فاطر 41 تفضل 14 14 جزاكم الله خيرا جزاكم الله خيرا بارك الله فيكم نعم concerning come again نعم 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 trying to dig okay to see him the question contained the answer we have to ask him is this authentic or not this is first secondly regarding uh, the prophet ﷺ answering this is because we have a dalil we have a proof that the salawat are presented to the prophet ﷺ and he answers back but this is a certain situation where allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it possible understood otherwise other calls like uh, asks yani for uh, asking for a provision or anything this is not we don't have a proof for that now if we had a proof from allah that such a thing was permissible, we would do it. But we don't, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that this is of asking other than Allah, that something that only he could do. Now, tafadl. Tafadl. When we send? Salam. No. No. They don't listen. No. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it a ritual, a ibadah. Yeah? Just like saying, uh, in the tashahhud, for example, as-salamu ala nabi Does it necessarily mean that we that the Prophet ﷺ hears that? No. It's just a ritual. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught us through his Prophet ﷺ to do that. That's all. Ibadah. Now. Okay. Uh, we just have to read the questions from the students. Uh, mm. My neighbor is a Hindu. I'm giving that da'wah to her. She argues that you call your creator Allah, and I call him Om. She says that she does not do idol worship, and she only imagines and meditates to Om. Both religions teach the same good principles. How do I convince her to accept Tawheed? Yeah, we say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent prophets and messengers and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the religion strictly to what the messengers have come with and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was pleased with Muhammad sallallahu wasallam as the last messenger so if you were to pray for example how would you pray to Om or to whatever call him what you want but how would you pray would you pray like other people or different than other people? Huh? Different than other people. Would you uh, do any other act of, uh, of, uh, of uh, worship, any ritual? Like other people or different than other people? Different than other people. Where have you taken this act of, uh, this instruction from or this way of, of worship? From who? She would have no answer. Either she would say from who, or she would have no answer. 
So you say, how can you worship Allah with that which you do not know whether he is pleased with or not? Okay, so she would ask, how do I know what Allah is pleased with? You said, ah, this is the point we want to get to. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't leave us differing. Everyone worshipping Allah like how he wants. He sent to us prophets and messengers to teach us what Allah loves and what Allah hates. What Allah loves so we can do it. And what Allah hates so we can, so we can stay away from it. And then you slowly, gradually call her to uh, believing in the, in, in the prophets. When she believes in the prophets, you, you, you call her to believe in the last prophet. And you say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, conveyed to his prophet what he is pleased with so we can do it and convey to his prophet what he's not pleased with so we can, so we can uh, avoid it. And that is what makes us believers in, believers in Allah. Is by following his message which he has sent through his prophets. It could happen at times that a person is a Muslim and worships Allah until the time of his death and then shaykh uh, Could you repeat, please? Could you repeat? Sorry, could you repeat? It could happen Smell that a person is a Muslim his entire life and then at the time of death, shaykh makes him fall into shirk, negating all his deeds. How do we protect ourselves from this? To learn. To learn. Because the problem or in most cases where people fall into shirk is because of ignorance, their ignorance. So if you learn this knowledge is your weapon and is your shield and is your guide against falling into the traps of shaitan. Because this means you fall, you, this means this person fell, fell into the traps of the shaitan. And he, if he was knowledgeable properly about his deen, nevertheless his shahada, then he would be rightly uh, uh, protected from the traps of a shaitan. Now, how do you repent to Allah from making Like every other uh, sin you repent from, you leave the sin, first of all. You regret you ever did the sin, secondly. You uh, put, uh, intend never to go back to the sin. Those are the three conditions of repentance. So if you do those three, then you have repented from the sin. Like, like any, any other sin, the three conditions are applicable to every, to every sin. Now. Why isn't adultery major shirk? Because it is a major sin and it doesn't involve equaling other than Allah with Allah. And we said that shirk is equaling other than Allah with Allah in something exclusively Allah's. Wadih? So committing an adultery is an act of, it's a sin, it's a major sin. It is categorized by the Sharia, by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that it is a major sin. As in the, some of the ahadith, وَإِن زَنَى وَإِن سَرَقَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ وَإِنْ زَنَى وَإِنْ سَلَقْ Even if he, if he steal or if he committed adultery, the Prophet said, وَإِنْ زَنَى وَإِنْ سَلَقْ So these are categorized by Sharia, by our own Prophet, as major sins. And it, they don't reach to the level of being acts of polytheism. Well, that's why adultery is not considered a major sin. No.
How would we answer this question from Christian? What about Mother Teresa? What will happen to her? Ish Mother Teresa. She was, uh, uh, I suppose, uh, supposedly a pious person from the Catholics. Allahu Akbar. I do not know her. No. Allah, I do not know her, but whoever does any act of deed, any good righteous deed, نعم. طيب. Whoever does any good deed to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, but is a mushrik, polytheist, or one who does not believe in Allah, or is not upon the right religion, whether before the coming of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or نعم, before that. Whoever is not upon the right religion, there's no benefit. He doesn't benefit out of his good deeds. He doesn't benefit out of his good deeds. Because the good deeds are only benefited from if they were built upon a correct belief. Without the correct belief, the thing branching out of the correct belief is of no use. What use is there of the branches when the tree, when the tree, when there are no roots? Or when the roots are corrupted. Well, there? No. Can we be absolutely certain when going through any form of suffering that our sins are being expiated? No, never. We can never be certain. We can only hope. The Muslim's duty is to only hope for the mercy of Allah and fear Allah's torment. And he has to be balanced between the two, like a bird. Like a bird. He has to balance between the two. He has to be between fear and hope. Love is his head. If his head is cut off, what happens? The bird, he dies. If there's no love for Allah, there's no Islam. Then, when you have the love, which is the head of the bird, you have to be between two wings, hope and fear. We can only hope for Allah's mercy and fear Allah's torment without being certain. Without being certain, because being certain is appointing that someone is in heaven and someone is in hell. And that is something only Allah can tell. Is the reward being thankful at anyone's cycle of ni'mah or musibah the same in the sight of Allah? Is there? Is the reward the same if someone is thankful when in a, in a state of blessing and in a state of calamity? Allahu Alam. Allah knows best. Bismillah. In regards to the house cleaning for the guests, is the honoring of the guests considered a form of worship because the Prophet instructed us to do it, i.e., honor the guests? Yeah, if there was the intention. Because the intention turns the habit into an act of worship. Naam. The intention turns the habits into acts of worship. Understood? So if the, yani the habits or the things that are, that are yani of the permissible th things, if there is the good intention behind it, it turns it into an act of worship. Well, there, there are things that are originally acts of worship, and there are things that are turned to be acts of worship. 
those habits that are turned to be acts of worship are done so by the uh, good intention. Good intention. So, for example, having, uh, yani, uh, washing oneself, is it an act of worship? Huh? It's a permissible thing, not an act of worship. Washing oneself to, 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 to clean oneself. It's, a permi it's permissible. But if I intend from my washing myself uh, to, uh, for example, to, to smell good to my, uh, to, my, uh, to my wife. So she can find from me what I find from her. Of the pleasant uh, appearance and pleasant smell. This becomes, is turned into an act of worship. That's why the Prophet wasallam said even the the uh, the luqma, uh, uh, the, the piece of food that you put into your uh, wife's uh, mouth, this is considered a sadaqah. But when, if you have the intention, if you have the intention, in the Quran it is stated that hidayah is given by Allah. Hmm. Which action can we perform to get this hidayah? It's to do the means and reasons to get hidayah. To follow the Book of Allah and the Prophet Sunnah and the understanding of the scholars. No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yani ask the people of knowledge if you do not know. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَجَعَلْنَاهُمْ أَئِمَّةً يَهْدُونَ بِأَمْرِنَا لَمَّا صَبْرُوا And we have made them imams, a'immah, يَهْدُونَ بِأَمْرِنَا Yani guarding people by our command by our commands so the imma, uh, the people of knowledge they guide people by Allah's command yani through Allah's uh, yani teach, teachings through his prophets they, they, they guide the people so you have to ask them and go back to them and if you go back to them then you will be rightly guided you will do what you are told Can you clarify the meaning of this hadith mm. narrated by Anas radiallahu anhu no. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, if you ask, ask only Allah. No. Um, I think this is related to being able to ask him. Yes, if you ask, ask Allah. This is right. If you ask, if you have something, ask Allah. But if you ask other than Allah, we say there are two situations. If you ask other than Allah something that other, that other than Allah can do, then it is permissible. And it is even not preferred. But if you ask uh, yani other than Allah something that only Allah can do, this is an act of shirk. So ask only Allah is right. Ask only Allah to perform tawheed and to perform what is best also. Don't ask other than Allah. Depend on yourself. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is right. But what happens if you ask the other than Allah? There are two cases. Because uh, there are many ahadith that prove that other than Allah was asked. In the Quran. In the Quran. In Surah Al-Qasas. <laughs> In Surah Al-Qasas, which is Surah number 28. See. Surah number 28, and he entered uh, verse number 15. 
and he entered the city at a time of unawareness of its people, and he found there two men fighting, one of his party, his religion from the children of Israel, and the other of his foes, the man of his own party, asked him for help against his foe. So Musa struck him with his fist and killed him. He said, this is of shaitan's, Satan's doing. Really, he is a plain misleading enemy. So here, the man asked Musa that which he can do. Understood? So this is not considered of shirk. No. This, may, this proves that other than Allah can be asked, but only in the things which other than Allah can do. Now, tafadhan. As you said that good deeds should be accompanied by bad deeds, can you please repeat the reference from the Quran proving this statement? Proving what? The verse that we have taken today. Yani, does, does it mean that uh, the, the question yani, that, uh, that the uh, acts are not, uh, not useful without uh, Tawheed? Is that what the questioner asked, meant? Okay. The, the verse is لَإِنْ أَشْرَكْتَ لَيَحْبَطَرْنَ عَمَلُكَ لَإِنْ أَشْرَكْتَ لَيَحْبَطَرْنَ عَمَلُكَ Where is that again? Surah Al-Zumar. Surah Al-Zumar 65. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, uh, uh, directing the speech to his prophet, he said, if you were to commit shirk, then your deeds would be at loss. So that means that with shirk, no deeds are beneficial. Wadih? No. No. Yeah, Tawheed is the opposite of shirk, brother. So if there's shirk, the deeds will be at loss if there's tawheed. Understood? Now. No, it's not about being strong. It's about doing tawheed. Tawheed being strong or not, that's a different issue. That's something over the level of being a Muslim. Yani basically, we're saying as long as you have Islam, as long as you're achieving La ilaha illallah, then all your deeds will be of use to you. Understood? But if you are not, if the La ilaha illallah is corrupted, then your deeds are, are, are of no use to you. Father. We have... When we do mistakes, uh, it could be out of ignorance, and we realize later that this could have been major or minor shirk. Uh. So should we repent for those mistakes? Yes, repent. No. There is a hadith, actions are based on intention. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that He does not uh, recompense us for that which we did not know. رَبَّنَا لَا تُؤَخِذْنَا إِنَّ سِينَا وَاخْطَعْنَا تفضل. Regarding the hadith, actions are based on intention. Naam. Doesn't this hadith contradict what we learned today that there can be a good intention behind a bad act? No, this supports what we said today, because saying that the acts are based upon intentions. Continue the hadith. يعني, to every person is what he intended behind his act. So if the intention was good and the act was good, then this act will be fruitful. Okay. Now, the uh, hadith spoke about the intention. 
the hadith spoke about the intention. But the act itself, where did we bring, or where did we uh, come up with the act having to be correct from other hadith as well? Other hadith, as a hadith that Whoever has done an act which is not upon what we have instructed is rejected. So here the hadith talks about two things. It talks about the niyyah and the act. Both the niyyah and the act have to be correct. Now if the niyyah, uh, if the act is correct, then we have to see the niyyah. If the niyyah is good, then the act, this act will bring forth its, its good outcomes. And if it's bad, then it will bring out this, its, its consequences, its bad consequences. No, further. In a medical emergency, generally we plead with the doctor to save the patient. Is this shirk, knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can only give cure? No, no, this is, yani, you're asking him to do his best to follow the means and reasons. To, wor to work his best, to try his best to do so. If that is meant, no. But if it is meant that, uh, that uh, uh, he has a certain, uh, like what is done with uh, Wali in the example we have mentioned, no, that becomes a shirk. No, problem. If we need help from someone and he can help us, mm -hmm. can we make a statement to the effect of, you are the only person who can help me? Is this permissible? Are you saying you're the only person you are the only person who can help me. Who can help me? No. no, because this is this shows that you are depending on him. You, by your heart, you're depending on him, and depending on the means and reasons is an act of uh, shirk. But it is a minor shirk. No. Why is Jesus called the Messiah? Why is he coming again? Why is he coming again? And for whom? Why is he called the Messiah? Allahu Alam. Why is he coming again? Because Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala shows that he comes again as a successor to the Sharia of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and ruled by his Sharia for 40 years and then he dies. So he comes again so he could die because he did not die. He was uh, ascended to the, to the heavens. So he will come again so he could die. Now, Wallahu ta'ala alam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een.